sleeping in her living room at the time, managed to put out the blaze. A court has been told that a man was murdered in Hertfordshire because of a long-running family feud. Thomas Ward was shot dead at the Dyes Lane Caravine site in Stevenage just five days after becoming a father. Lee Agnew reports. The jury was told that 26 years ago, Thomas's father had been blamed for the death of his cousin in a car crash and had gone on to shoot his other cousin. The younger brother of the dead men, 33-year-old John Boy Ward, is accused of hatching a plan to shoot Thomas Ward last April. John Boy Ward from Clarkson Court in Hatfield pleads not guilty to murder. His wife Jolene and two other people deny assisting an offender. A homeless man has been told he will have to get rid of his dog before he can be housed in Watford. The Borough Council told Steve McMahon they can find him accommodation, but not with his pet, Lionel. South Yorkshire's Police and Crime Commissioner, Sean Wright, has resigned from the Labour Party after it threatened to suspend him in the wake of a damning report on child sexual exploitation in Rotherham. But he insists he will not step down as the Commissioner. Researchers say the NHS is not doing enough to tackle depression among people with cancer. A study of 21,000 patients published in The Lancet found using specially trained nurses to offer medicine or therapy had much better results than normal treatment. Professor Michael Sharp of Oxford University took part in the research. Cancer treatment can always be improved, but it's usually cutting-edge science, it's well-implemented, people are carefully followed up and monitored. Too often the depression care is not like that, it's not taken as seriously, it's ad hoc. So what we need to do is elevate the depression care to the same level as the cancer care. In football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United this week. The weather, patchy rain clearing to become mostly dry with sunny spells and a high of 22 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counters. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Nestling in the Chilterns, lots of nice countryside round, you know. All this week, we're featuring Aylesbury. Wherever I go, I always know people to speak to. It's all about where you live. So people in Aylesbury Market down today can hear the bell that's been ringing for 700 years. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Kelly. Kelly. Yes. Kelly. Yes. Just imagine for a moment Mm. that you had lived in a village where a bell had been ringing for 700 years. No way. It would do your nutting, wouldn't it? It really would. After the first sort of 100 years, then you'd be thinking, oh, I wish it would stop. The first 100 years would be fun. The second, third hundred years, I reckon, would be irritating. Mm. Probably the fourth hundred year, you'd, you'd grow to forget it and ignore it. Yeah. But years 500, 600, 700 and beyond, oh, it, would, you'd, it would grate on you. Really, really. You'd have to play other sounds to cover up in your house. I don't think I can ever go to Aylesbury again as a direct result of that flipping bell. Wow. When will it end? So I want to know. What you heard there was classic bands. Three hours of that. <laughs> Three hours of classic bands. Morning, guys. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Boy, walking out this morning of my house, it was quite tropical. It was quite tropical, the heat this morning. Was it tropical where you were? No? Yes? Nah. It, I said tropical. I mean, it was, it was wet and warm. Boy, I like it. Like my tea. Oh, eight. 
459 455 555. Here are some of the things we're talking about. Syrian charities are told to work together. Disabled man told to give up dog. And uh, um, train spotting. They found out who the first ever train spotter was. I don't get the train spotting. Then again, I'm sure lots of train spotters wouldn't get my bizarre hobbies and collections. <laughs> or maybe they would. I don't know. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah. I'm gonna do some classic bounce with Kath. Okay. Go on then. Kath. Mm. Imagine if you lived in a village. Uh, if you'd lived in a village and a bell had been ringing for seven hundred years. Blimey, that'd be noisy. Classic bands, guys. I love it. Three hours of this rubbish. Three hours! There's a girl I know Who makes me feel so good And I wouldn't live without her No, don't do it down there. Come on. You right? It's like a maypole. Hang on. Oh, blimey. Got to bring that into it, haven't you? Right, here we go. You ready? We're the BBC. Go. We're the BBC. We're the BBC. Mm -hmm. And this is the best that we can do. Isn't that awful? Well, I mean, I won't go that far. Well, we could do better if we tried. From now. And go. Government officials will visit Luton today to explain how the UK spent £600 million helping the people of Syria. They're encouraging small local fundraisers to meet them at the UK Centre for Carnival Arts to work out how they can combine their efforts. Now, there's been some concern that too many charities acting alone could lead to aid falling into the wrong hands. 
Well, our uh, charity correspondent Catherine Boyle has been looking into this. What? Can, tell us about this event. What exactly is going on? This is a joint open day. It's been put on by three government departments: the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, the Department for International Development, and UK Aid. It's all held at the Carnival Arts Centre in Luton between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. No appointments necessary. Just turn up. They want to see anyone who's been raising money for Syria. Uh, and they want to talk to them about the way that British government has been acting um, when it comes to aid to Syria. They're committing over £600 million, second only to the US in aid. So the idea is to encourage individuals in the community to work with the government to help the Syrian people and those in the Middle East. Foreign Office officials will be there to explain where the money goes, how it gets there, and they'll also be on hand to answer any questions anyone may have. Why now, Catherine? Why now? Well, there's a great deal of passion about what's going on in Syria, particularly in areas like Luton, which has a large Muslim population. You remember a few months ago, we spoke about a push to get female members of Muslim families to tell the police if it looks as if a relative might be about to travel to Syria to take up arms. There's a worry that misguided idealism could lead to young men and women being caught up in a conflict which is more compl- complicated than they realised. Well, yes, yes, we had, yes, people not quite sure exactly who's who and what's going Some on. Some of those voices were saying they had to go and help their mu- Muslim brothers and sisters. They didn't realise they'd be fighting against fellow Muslims. Yep. So it could be that this is all part of the same push. There is certainly a concern that some of the small charities set up in the name of raising money for Syria um, may be acting... Well, in a way that means that they are more liable to have their money go into the wrong hands. The government's charity commission has been investigating them to check exactly where the money goes. And they're also aware that there's a real possibility that charitable convoys could be abused by those seeking to fight in the conflict. Mm. That said, it would be really foolish to play down the strength of feeling about what's been going on in Syria and the desire of many people, well-meaning people, to play a part in helping the innocent victims, which is why the government is urging people to give to a well-established charity with a proven track record of providing assistance in high-risk areas. But this has been going on for three years. Why the urgency now? Well, overnight, UN investigators published a report describing what they called the atrocities committed on both sides of the Syrian conflict, saying that Islamic State have committed public executions and troops loyal to President Assad are accused of dropping chlorine gas on civilian areas. The chair of the inquiry, Paolo Pinheiro, criticised the international community's failure to act. The evidence collected shows that the international community has failed, has completely failed in one of our most elemental duties to protect the civilians. We must remember that most victims of this war are innocent bystanders to the destruction of their homeland. And early this year, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights estimated that at least 50,000 civilians have been killed Gosh. in this three-year conflict. So it's no wonder people Blimey. feel compelled to act. Today's event at the UK Centre for Carnival Arts in Luton suggests the government wants to channel that goodwill in a direction that does the least amount of harm to people who are already suffering. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Have you got what might be considered moving on? Like a really boring hobby. Uh, yeah. What, what? What? Knitting. Well, well, no, knitting's not a hobby. That's a lifestyle choice. That's like, <laughs> that's not a hobby. It is. That's like saying. I like making stuff. I no. Can make, I, and I also like. Uh, I can make dolls and I sew stuff. Is it? A ho- I wouldn't call it a hobby. It's that's a hobby like, for me. It keeps my hands busy. That's like saying having children is is a hobby or driving is a hobby. No, because or... I no because I do it for pleasure. I don't do it because I have to. Like you said to me yesterday, I could always buy a jumper. OK, so, so my, you know my hobby is just like buying monkeys rubbish off yeah. of eBay. And people, you, you struggle to understand that. You look over my sh- shoulder and see the vast amounts of money I'm yeah, spending. Yeah, but you wouldn't understand why I spend money on the same dress in five different colours. It's what releases your old serotonin, no harm in it. Well, there's, uh, see, one hobby I think there is a harm in. Where has he gone now? He's 
train spotting. Right, I don't why? Get the, there used to be... A, a, I used to work with a guy when I worked in B-Jams. We called him Zippy. I've got no idea what his real name was. I used to talk like that. <laughs> so we called him Zippy. And he, he wasn't a train spotter. He was um, uh, a bus spotter. So he would go to Slough bus station. What, go, yeah, there's one. Well, There's he'd write one. down the number plate and the number and the route. And to my shame, to my sh- and he had, uh, it, I would, it, looking back, I'm guessing there was, he was on some kind of spectrum. Right. But we didn't know about spectrums in the mm-hmm. late 80s, apart from the ones with the rubber keyboards. He, uh, to my shame, I, he had like A4 pages, pads, and I took um, loads of the A4 pads and <gasps> flushed them down the toilet. Oh no, that but, will really mess with him. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a man thing, I think. Also, it's, che- it's cheating. I think it is a man thing. Well, is it? It's, well, it's lists. Men are obsessed with lists of information. When we don't see the point. Well, the first train spotter has been identified as a girl. What? Of 14. Oh. Jotted notes 153 years ago. She watched Great Western Railway Locos passing Westbourne Park Station, London, in, 19- in 1861. Details were found at the National Railway Museum. Well... What I have to say about that is, yeah. after saying it's probably a man thing, yeah. when I was a 14-year-old girl, I wasn't that dissimilar from a 12-year-old boy. Well, I was telling what, you yeah. about I used to play on the spectrum, yeah. I used to spend ages um, trying to type up like pro- computer programmes and stuff. Yeah. Do you know what this girl's name was? John? Fanny Johnson. Nice. Fanny Johnson. It's two there. for the price of one there, <laughs> Fanny Johnson. It's a na- Fanny is a name that really... Has My been, best friend's mum's called Fanny, and her she, sister-in-law, but they're Spanish. Is, and is, well, the first one is Epiphania, shortened to Fanny, and the other one is Stephania. Oh, OK, so they're not called Fanny. They are called Fanny. So Spanish, Fanny's short for something else, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, like Francis or something. Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah. So Spanish Fanny is a, is a name. Yeah. Wow. And there's no laughing. And when I laughed about it, they said, well, you don't want to know what Catalina means. What, what Mr Whippy. <laughs> So we all stop laughing. Well, I, I, what I want to do is I want to I want to get inside the mind of the train spotter today. We've sent Justin out on it. He'll handle it. Sen- not, I don't want to actually get in the you mind. You sent Justin out. Yeah. And you're going to use the word sensitive. He, he'll, he'll do it sensitively. We'll speak to him before seven. He will do it sensitively. He's, he's looking smart today. He's lost he a bit is. of weight. He's got his shirt buttoned up to the, to the neck. He's looking good. I mean, he's, he's obviously... He's looking a bit Ollie Murs. He's looking a lot Ollie Murs. That's exactly who he looks like. He wants like. to get a wee hat. He's realised he's, he's not getting any younger, so he's trying to dress younger. Why not? Exactly. We all do that. Yeah, well, I don't bother anymore. I just dress like an old... Train spotters, please. 08459 555. Thank you, Catherine. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Checking the speed sensors and things are moving well at the moment around at Watford. But having a look on the M1 Luton Spur Road, there's still um, the roadworks in both directions and a conch flow in place between Junction 10A for the Kidneywood Roundabout and Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road. That's not causing any delays on the speed sensors so far this morning. But next to it on the A5, it's looking a little bit slow uh, southbound between Lynch Hill and uh, the B4540 Luton Road there next to there as a result maybe. Um, at the M4, there's one lane closed and speed restrictions of 50 miles an hour and narrow lanes as well for the bridge maintenance work at Junction 5 for Stoke and Church. And in Marlow Hill at High Wycombe, there's some temporary lights at Marlow Road, but checking the speed sensors, it's not causing any delays so far this morning. On the trains, there's no reported problems at the moment. That's Matt the Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I'm out of breath and I can't tell you why. I can, my producer's a plum. 
stole my bag. I had to chase her through the building. Thanks a lot for that, Catherine. You're welcome. Yeah. 6.16. It's Thursday, the 28th of August. The 28th of August? Wowzers. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Small charities in Luton are being asked to work with the government in providing aid for Syria. A man in Watford has been told he'll have to give up his dog if the council is to find him accommodation. And the Police and Crime Commissioner for South Yorkshire is refusing to quit, even though he's had to leave the Labour Party. Hmm, sounds familiar. BBC Three Counties Radio. I am going to retire, because I'm not going to sit here all night reading emails. Every weekday morning... It went ping. Did it ping again? It did, about about a week later, it went ping again. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. I just don't know where or what to do now. I went to speak to this retailer, who had told Sue that because the sofa was out of its 12-month guarantee, they didn't have any liability. Well, we all know that's rubbish, don't we? The JVS Show fights for your rights. Jonathan and I have got the whitest, cleanest overhead door available. Listen, I'm going to thank your credit card very much for getting things sorted out and any other problems you know where we are. Thank you so much for everything. It took me seven months to sort it out. We've done it in two weeks. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio.
BBC Three Counties Radio. Look, I'm texting someone in Los Angeles, America. Isn't the world amazing? What, they've got phones there? No, that I am communicating with someone with... Well, you're supposed to be on air, yeah. Well, no, well, yeah, yes, technically, yes, I am supposed to be on air. But I, uh, my friend Paul, he's in Los Angeles. Oh, all right, it's Paul, is it? Yeah, Paul Terry. What time Hi, is Paul. it with Paul? I'll ask him. What time Who is it with Paul? With, with Paul. Okay, I've just said, what time is it? Okay. I'm on the radio now. We'll see. Okay. It's, I, but don't you... Th- seriously, right? Years ago, if I wanted to speak to someone in LA, I'd have to book a line and... Uh, You'd need the longest piece of string ever, and how would you get it to him? Well, no, it's 10.20 it's at night there in Los Angeles. Oh. They've not even had the night time. We've had the night time. We can tell him what happens. Yeah, we'll tell him the future. It's a bit boring. Yeah. Kath's not joining in the classic bands. What's going on? Working, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, you keep clicking that mouse, baby. There you go, well done. <laughs> she did. 08459 four double five five double five. Earlier this week, we received a letter from a man called Mike Taylor. He told us how worried he was about his friend Steve McMahon. Steve lives in Watford and has a back problem, which means he's had to give up his job and move into council accommodation, something that's come as a huge blow to a proud man. Trouble is, Watford Borough Council have told him he'll have to give up his dog. Steve's friends say the animal is the only reason uh, that he keeps going and says losing it would destroy him. I'd like to get your thoughts on this, please. Where do your sympathy lies? We'll be speaking to Steve uh, a little bit later on in the show. Um, you could under- if, you've got, if you've got a pet, you'll know it, how incredibly important that pet is. It's part of your family, isn't it? It's your companion, it's part of your family. Uh, but if he's getting council accommodation, should he have to abide by the rules? 08459 455 555. Joined now by Elizabeth Ormerod from the uh, Society for Companion Animal Studies. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Uh, Pets are really important to people, aren't they? Well, they're much more important than we ever imagined. We started studying this relationship in the 1970s. And um, scientists from all over the world, uh, from many eminent institutions, are now involved in this research, and we are all uh, pretty amazed at what we've found. Well, tell us what you found, Elizabeth. <clears throat> well, different benefits for different age groups. Um, for children, better social skills, um, help the development of the different tasks of childhood, they do better at school, um, get on better with the parents get on better with the friends, they have higher levels of empathy towards animals and also to other people, fewer allergies. In the case of Steve, uh, uh, have you come across this before where councils have said, yeah, you can come in, but your dog or your cat, I'm afraid they can't? Uh, Sadly, this is um, all too common in the UK. It it varies between different local authorities, uh, and there is no reason why there should be any bar on pet ownership for responsible pet owners. I suppose if the landlord doesn't want pets in their home, um, for whatever reason, that is their entitlement, isn't it, to, to say that? It, it is in the UK, but not, for example, in France, where in 1975, the um, owning a pet was made one of our human rights. And they're not experiencing problems through this. And they would also say that um, housing authorities that have gone from a no pets rule to yes you can have a pet actually report fewer problems oh. once they allow pets this happened in Wandsworth 
They virtually had a ban on pet ownership in Warnsworth Borough yeah. Council. They re-examined all the tenancy rules. This was the council. And they said, well, why are we banning pets? So they actually introduced pets, but with pet-owning rules. And they now say, best thing they ever did. Oh. And the community, not just the pet owners, but everybody is happier. I suppose the one argument against having pets, and by the way, I'm a pet fan, and if, if I was separated from my cat, I would be devastated. But uh, one argument against having uh, the, the pets in council properties is supposing you get some horrible oiks moving in next door, and they've got a couple of really big, horrible dogs that they don't look after and are vicious and thuggish. That would be quite unpleasant for everybody around them, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you don't allow that to happen. How do you stop that? Have tenancy rules about pet owning, about what is acceptable and what is expected of people, and that is adhered to, and the um, officers enforce that the way that they would any other aspect of tenancy. And and this is what's been reported to me by um, the Head of Housing and Policy at Warnsworth. They say they've not had any problems they can't cope with regarding pets. I get the same from the... Anchor Housing Trust, which is the biggest provider of housing for older people, yeah. the biggest independent, um, the biggest charity that provides housing. They've never had a problem with pets, and they've always allowed animals since their inception. Um, they've never had a problem that cannot be addressed. In cases like Steve, he's poorly. He's, this is the reason he's getting council accommodation, because he's hurt his back, he can't work anymore. How beneficial can having a pet be for someone who's sick? Oh, phenomenal. Animals provide us with a very high level of social support. And in many cases, an animal can provide more social support than a person. Um, We actually find that having an interaction with an animal provides a plethora of health and social benefits. And these have just recently been discovered. So, for example, people who keep pets are much less likely to have a heart attack or a stroke. If they should have a heart attack or a stroke, they are nine times more likely to survive long-term. If they've got a pet? Yeah. Where have, they, where have you got these figures from? That sounds incredible. It's amazing. Um, the first studies were done in the States in the 1980s, oh. and that was about survival post-series heart attack or stroke, and pet ownership was just put in as one of the lifestyle factors. Because Blimey. we're trying to determine what factors in our life would help survive heart attacks and stroke and pet ownership was found to be the most significant influencing factor of all Blimey. Elizabeth, listen, we've got to end it there, but thank you very much indeed. Elizabeth uh, Ormerod from the Society for Companion Animal Studies. Well but, little joke She said that if you, if you have a pet you're less likely to have a stroke. Well I would say if you've got a cat or a dog, you're more likely to have a stroke of that beautiful animal's back that's really good. Isn't it, isn't it? I haven't got any pets. I'm strokeless. <laughs> well, you should, I told you you should get a kitten. Um, you're, less likely to have, you're less likely to have a heart attack if you have a dog or a, a, dog or a cat. Because I suppose, right, if you have a dog, yeah. there's more likelihood that you would walk it, so maybe you'll be more active. Uh, well, I, the, what I got from that is that it lowers your stress. Yeah. But having a, pa- a pet is well stressful, well, particularly if it's a rabbit. I looked after my sister's cat. Um, once when she went away and it did a dirty protest. Yeah. I can tell you my stress levels that day were pretty high. I was covered in um, rabbit poo. Oh, but that's only grass. No, it's not. It's, cause the thing is, I hadn't cleaned the hutch for ages. And then also Benji has this little patch in his little run where he does whoopsies. And because it's been raining and there was, it, oh, it was, and I was, it was horrible. Oh, horrible. And I got it all over me.
Not literally all over me. That would be insane. Um, but it was, and it really, really stank. Good old pets. Kelly, you've got the uh, Elizabeth's website. Yes, I have. Could you share it with the... Uh... Oh, yeah, sure. www. Don't need to say that bit anymore. HTTP. <laughs> yes. Forward slash, forward slash. So it's www. You don't need to say that bit anymore. S. Oh, flipping it. C. Yes. A. Yes. S. Dot org dot UK. OK, well, there we go. We got there in the end. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Checking the M25 cameras and it's starting to build up between Junction 21 for the M1 and Junction 18 for Chorleywood. On the M40 in both directions though, it's moving well at the moment through the roadworks that are in place at Junction 5 for the A40. And on the A1 Great North Road in Roxton, there are roadworks happening around the Black Cat roundabout and it's looking fine on the speed sensors at the moment, but it's likely to get busy later on. Checking the trains and there's no reported problems so far on the trains. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. The Foreign Office will be in Luton today to encourage smaller charities to work with the government to provide aid for Syria. The event at the Carnival Arts Centre aims to discuss what more communities in the government can do to help in Syria. Bedfordshire police say a woman from Houghton Regis had a lucky escape after her ground floor flat was deliberately set on fire. The attack took place on Sunday afternoon when someone started the fire on her balcony. A homeless man has been told he will have to get rid of his dog before he can be housed in Watford. The borough council told Steve McMahon they can find him accommodation, but not with his pet, Lionel. The weather, early rain, then sunny intervals and a high of 22 Celsius. Under sport and in football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United on Tuesday. Bradford beat Leeds last night. The tie will be played in four weeks' time. Meanwhile, there's been more Premier League casualties in the League Cup. Aston Villa and Queen's Park Rangers were the big names to fall in the second round. Villa lost 1-0 at home to Leighton Orient, while Harry Redknapp's QPR were knocked out 1-0 at League 2 Burton. You want to win every game, and certainly tonight we came here. I picked a strong team on paper, not a good team, because it wasn't a good team, because we didn't play well. But I picked a strong-looking team with senior players, all, you know, now part of a Premier League squad at this moment, but um, they were poor. I didn't take the opportunity I gave them tonight. Watford captain Troy Deeney has signed a new four-year contract at Vicarage Road, ending speculation about his future. The club's top scorer last season has been subject to transfer rumours since the summer. Premier League clubs are reported to have made offers for the striker. He's already scored two goals this season. Arsenal are through to the group stages of the Champions League for the 17th successive season after a 1-0 win over Besticas. In cricket, England were beaten by India in the second one-day international at Cardiff. Set 295 to win, they lost by 133 runs. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next bulletin is at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I want to find. I want to find train spotters this morning, not to mock and laugh at them. They'll be too busy. Waiting, but is it? Surely it's cheating. If, if you're um, uh, an aeroplane spotter, right, and you go to an airport, that's cheating, isn't it? That's like that's like going and buying um, one hundred packs of Panini stickers. That's that's cheating, right? 
Surely you, you've got to just got to go, oh, there's an aeroplane when you're out. Well, you can't see the numbers. You've got to see them on the ground, haven't Binoculars, you? Binoculars, isn't it? No, no. They don't see them on the ground. Yes, they do. They wait until they're taking off or uh, um, landing. landing. Yeah, so they've got to be low then. Yeah. So you need to be near them. Think about it, Ian. Think about but, okay, it. OK, but going to a train station is to, to do train spotting is cheating. Surely you've just got to see them off the cuff for it to count. Haven't you? Well, Otherwise, if you're a fisherman, you might as well just go to uh, the... To fi- where there's fish? Yeah, hang no, on, they do. No, you might as well go to the fish shop with a net and a bucket and go, fill that up. Yeah, hey, look then, what I got! And then what do you do with the rest of your day? Well, exactly. It's... My boy wants me to take him fishing. I always fancy going fishing. Can you take my boy? Yeah. Because I used to go... Now uh, I'm eating meat, I'm, I'm not quite so against it as I used to be, but I still have a slight problem with fishing. And also, I used to go as a boy, and it's so... Boring. I mean, it's really, you're really. You're supposed to be going boring. there and having a gab and a bond, aren't you? Or you're not allowed to talk because it frightens the fish. You can't. You can't make any noise. You're frightening the fish. Oh, forget it then. It's not for me. In Greece, we saw a fella fishing. All he had was a fishing rod. No, he had um, just like a bit of fishing wire on a like a pl- bit of plastic, and he and a hook, and he just chucked the hook out, and then would catch a fish. Wow, magic! Not the best story, is it? It's. It's. Uh, it needs a little work. Have you ever been to Norfolk? They do that with crabs. Crabbing? Yeah. Yeah, you go crabbing. Yeah. Okay. What do they put on the end of the hook for crabs? Uh, crab stick. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wrong, wouldn't it? The first train spotter has been identified, a girl of 14 called Fanny Johnson, who jotted notes 150 years ago. She watched Great Western Railway Loke. I don't get it. So you're basically jotting down uh, PR 6379-2. Yeah. But what does that Feeling mean? Feeling the rush of finding the one you haven't seen before. Well, you might as well just go online then. Well, they didn't have online in fancy no. time. Well, th- that statement is is wrong on many many levels. But um, oh gosh, my granddad was an engine driver. Maybe Fanny spotted him. Did he spot Fanny? Probably. Oh eight four five nine four double five. Used to cook his breakfast on the shovel. For, uh, Justin, Fanny Johnson hashtag legends. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yes. In a, well, in actual fact, you're not oh, going to yeah. believe this. Yeah. Um, you said earlier on that I was wearing a new shirt today. And you look you look really good, mate. Thank you. You're looking buff. Done up to the neck, so... Uh, well, you, you did, you did, I asked you if you'd lost a bit of weight. You said, maybe I can lose half a stone in a day. I know. I'm very special. Um, I've also <laughs> got a quiff going on. And you said earlier on I was looking a bit Ollie Murs. That was Catherine came up with that, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to believe this. Um, I've walked into a hotel this morning and somebody said to me, Ollie, can I have your autograph? Maybe they were listening. You were on the X Factor. Oh. And they weren't listening, no. They were saying Ollie, not Louie. They were saying Ollie. All right, just checking. They're, they're, they're still bitter over all that money that was spent getting Ollie Moores to come and perform here. I'd be careful <laughs> walking around <laughs> looting with that Absolutely. look. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you sign it? Uh, no. Oh, oh mate. You of course no. you should have. I, I couldn't. You know, working for the BBC, you've got to be honest these days. Things Unfor- have changed. <laughs> Unfortunately, boy, ain't that the truth. And aren't mm. we finding out the hard way? Mm. Uh, Justin, train spotting. Yeah, not for me. Uh, not for oh. me at oh. all. Um, you've sent me out on a mission today to try and find a train spotter, and you wanted me to uh, deal with this in a sensitive fashion. Yes, please. Um, I haven't found a train spotter yet, but I've got somebody with a story. I've got some audio coming up here. Take a listen to this. Now, Lee, you are not a train spotter, but your dad is. Since he's retired, has he spent all of his retirement going up and down the country looking at trains? Literally, his entire days are taken up with with train spotting. Wow. It's a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you. <laughs> you say it's embarrassing. Has he tried to get you out there to, to spot these trains with him? 
He's tried. I've, I mean, I've been on train journeys with him, and he keeps trying to show me videos of trains he's spotted, and I'm like, I'm not interested. Mm. You know, get away from me. Go and sit at the other end of the train. It's really that bad. It's it's a big embarrassment. Yeah. I mean, are your family all saying to him, "Come on, enough's enough now. You spent too much time looking at trains." No, he's worked hard for it. Yeah. He's worked hard all his life, so let him do what he enjoys, but just don't involve me. <laughs> <laughs> just lastly, how far is he travelling to see these trains? Are, what, are we talking hours here? Yeah, he'll go to Scotland, uh, Wales. He, he literally travels all around the country. I don't think he goes over to Ireland or anywhere like that, but... We're yeah. talking five or six hour journeys, simply to stand there and watch a train go by. Yes. I think we'll leave it there, Lee. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. I think you've said enough. No problem. You sound disgusted there, Just. Well, I was. I just thought, what a waste of a retirement. Somebody that they've worked all of their life, uh, and now is their time to, to go and enjoy, and they are spending their days, their weeks. They are not seeing their family. Instead, <laughs> they're seeing trains. It's weird, because, listen, I'm not going to... I don't want to knock people who do it. I want to understand why they do it. Hmm. And can we find anybody under the age of 55 that does it? You don't get, like, hot... 22-year-old girls and buff 20-year-old blokes going and doing it. Do well, you, I don't know. I mean, Fanny Johnson could have been hot. I mean, I, I've not seen the photograph. She could have been... Well, hey. Yeah, yep, she was 14. Well, so, oh. uh, yeah, she could have been later on in her life. You're correct. Yes, yes, yes you're absolutely yes, correct. Yes. Uh, so, I want to... 08459 455 555. Are you a train spotter? Is there a train spotter in your family? And why... The, what are your... You must have a hobby, Justin. If, if people knew about it, they'd go, huh? No. No, I haven't. Honestly, uh, I mean, you have. No, you no. have. Come on, then, Kath. What's what the book it? you take on your holidays? Uh, what the British oh. hit singles book? He reads lists. Okay, this is a man who's obsessed with lists of records. I love music. I love football. Boss, yeah, leave listening it with or me. watching them, that's fine. Reading about what was number one in 1963. More very than once is a bit weird. Very, very informative for our listeners. But uh, leave it with me. Hopefully, <laughs> at some point between now and nine, I'm convinced on this one, I will find you a train spotter. Just bear with me, OK? Justin, thank you very much. Excellent stuff. 08459 555555. He doesn't see he's got a problem. No, I, 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 yes, reading the... And he does take the British book of hit singles yeah, with him on holiday. It's not got pictures in it. It's just a list. But I like books with lists in. Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, I know. I like a good list. Got some really geeky Beatles books that I've read a couple of times that are just lists. Love it. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What you got in the papers? Bake Off. Oh, uh, did you see this on Twitter last night? Of course, I didn't see it on Twitter. I'm not following anyone on Twitter anymore, and I'm not interested in Bake Off. Well, you'll be interested in this. You won't know on purpose, but this um, this is what happened last <laughs> night. I won't do it was, maliciously. There was, there was custard gate in the past where someone nicked someone else's custard. Yeah. Oh. Now. This lady, who is a uh, for- foremost member of the uh, WI, oh, Diana... Oh, they play dirty. ...removed yeah. Ian Waters' baked Alaska from the freezer and let it melt. Sabatouge! Now, that's what everyone's crying. Poor old Mel and Sue. Well, only Sue's on um, Twitter. She was getting absolute hammering on the uh, yeah. from the old trolls. And actually, people who weren't trolls, who just love the, the bake-off and take it very seriously. Yeah. Because they were really going for this Diana Bird. And, uh, hey, hey, listen, she's, and a, she's a lady, says, all right? Don't get caught. She's a woman. <laughs> and, right? and Sue was saying, look, the editing may have looked like it was out for a really long time, but it was only out for 40 seconds and it wouldn't have caused it to, to be damaged to that extent. But still, poor old Ian. Poor old Ian lost his baked Alaska. Oh, God. And he had a bit of a hissy fit, didn't he? Apparently. I hadn't seen it yet. Oh, 
Well, but everyone's ruined it, so thanks, Twitter. Thanks, Twitter, for that. Hey, here's, here's a horrific story that is incredible. In America, um, and I've never done it, and I've been tempted to, but I've, I've never been p- with people who've been interested. Uh, when we went to Las Vegas and also Hawaii, there were people handing out flyers for mm. shooting galleries. Yeah. Where you can go and you can... It's not just you fire a pistol or fire a rifle. AK-47s, Uzis, basically any, any gun you've seen in the A-team, you yeah. can go and fire it. Some friends of mine did that in Slovenia. Yeah. In the middle of a forest. You can go and do any... In loads of countries, the states, they do it. They're big on it. Cause of, you, and you just... Basically, it's, you go... It's like going to a bowling alley. You, you pay for half an hour, you pick your guns and you go and fire them. Yeah. Sounds like a bit of fun. There's an incredible story in the papers today. Girl of nine accidentally shoots gun instructor dead with Uzi. And there is video footage, pictures here, of a nine-year-old girl. And I would suggest she is a small nine-year-old girl. She is very, very slight. Right, wearing um, little pink shorts, trainers, and a grey top, tiny ponytail. Is that a ponytail or a pigtail? A plait. Thank you. And she's in the desert, and she's with this big bald fella who's in camo, and she's shooting at an Uzi at a target in the distance. Right, and the power of the recoil was so strong that she's firing it. She falls back with the gun, spins round, and shoots the fella in the head and kills him. It's awful. Awful story. But what the heck are they doing giving her a gun in the first place? That's insane. It's, well, it's, that's, that's ten kinds <clears> of wrong. It's not, it's not insane. That's, that's America. Footage of the horrifying tragedy went viral on the internet yesterday after it was released by police. It featured the young girl being tutored by 39-year-old instructor Charles Vacker. As the clip filmed by the girl's parents unfolds, she's seen firing a shot... Um, his last words are, all right, full auto. The youngster is seen to recoil. The weapon swings round before blasting Mr Vacker in the head. Two things there. Why are they releasing the footage? Who needs to see that? Who needs to see that? And two, her life is ruined now. That's that girl messed up for the, for the, the rest, rest of her, of her life. life. I mean, he's obviously, it's very sad for his family too, but <clears> flipping <throat> heck, how do you deal with that at nine? That's, that's America, though, isn't it? it, it that's it's not a, all of America. It's a certain section of America. It's quite a big section of America. Okay, when, when I went to America recently, there was a sticker in this window. I went to this alligator farm. What? There's a sticker in the window of this alligator farm Hang saying, on, Guns, God and Guts. Yeah. Protect, God bless America. Yeah. And I thought, flipping it, that sums it up. It's a misinterpretation of the, uh, the, um, the Constitution, yeah, though. Yeah, because at the time when that was written, you did need a musket. But also, I don't know the full sentence, but the right to bear... People always quote, oh, the right to bear arms. But it's in, there's a longer sentence. It's the right to bear arms against people who are attacking yeah. you. So it's, it doesn't mean you can have a, a gun down your, down your pants or in your bedside drawer. Any Americans listening may be able to give us a bit of a more <laughs> informed uh, view of that. But, it's, you know, wasn't that from a, pl- a time when they didn't have a standard army yeah very sad really 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 sad horrible. so horrible what you got um i wanted to talk to you about that footage we saw yesterday the um ice bucket challenge oh, I, any... I didn't hear the sound and then you texted no, me later on i didn't either we watched it this there's a there's a viral video going around at the moment and a lot of people are putting it on my facebook and going oh this is hilarious i've watched it 10 times over and can't stop laughing yeah so I watched it, and I watched it without any sound. It's a two-year-old girl having this bucket tipped over her head. We don't know whether it's really icy water, but there's no. something... There's some, I would never do that to my kids. I would never do that. And she's a tiny little two-year-old sitting on this tiny little chair. You've probably seen it. Anyway, so... And then she jumps up and runs away. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But you just think they're not really going to do that, are they, to yeah. a two-year-old? She's a titch. When you listen to it, she runs away... Yeah. ..and says very clearly... 
effing hell. The two-year-old says that. That's outrageous. Effing hell from a two-year-old. From a two-year-old. That is shocking. But some people, most people that I've, I've seen putting it online, I suppose if you're the one that's passing it around, you must think it's funny. People seem to think it's funny. I, I don't What, I don't a two-year-old swearing? I, 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 I think it's the ugliest thing you can hear. OK, I find it quite funny. I find it shocking. Yeah, I find it... Uh, but I still, I, I still think it's funny. I think it's funny, and I'm glad it's not my, ch- my child or anybody my, my children hangs out with. And it's wrong. It's the it, fact that she says it in context and really, really clearly makes me think that that language is thrown around all the time. Let, well, I mean, poor girl growing up with people like that. Let's, can we put this out there? Right, two-year-old saying... What did she say? FNL. 08459 555. Catherine's shocked. I think it's funny. Who's right? Me. Well, well, no, me! We'll find out a bit. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Checking the speed sensors around Hitchin and does seem to be getting busy on the A505 from Carters Lane into town towards uh, Purton Road, the turn off there. And having a look at the M25 anti clockwise on the cameras, it's building up now anti clockwise between junction 21 for the M1 and junction 18 for Chorleywood. On the A405 North Orbital Road at Brickettwood, it's heavy at the M25 junction 21A roundabout. And further into London on the A406 North Circular Road, if you're travelling westbound, it's queuing between the East End Tunnel and the A1 at Henley's Corner. Um, check in the trains and there's no reported problems so far. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 6.46, it's Thursday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Foreign Office is coming to Luton to talk to smaller charities about providing aid to Syria. A man who's said to rely on the companionship of his dog has been told to give up his pet if he's to be housed by Watford Council. And in football, the MK Dons are to face Bradford in the third round of the League Cup. A two-year-old saying effing hell as a bucket of ice is dumped on her. Catherine is shocked. I think it's quite funny. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there. Well, we've got a milder start to the day and really quite a bright and dry day altogether with sunshine developing. We've got uh, one or two showers are possible later on this afternoon, early this evening, um, but they'll be very light where they fall and I think you'll be pretty unlucky to catch one of those. Temperatures reaching 22 degrees Celsius today. So largely dry night with clear spells, a bit of a southwesterly breeze increasing. Temperatures down to about 13 degrees Celsius. And after a bright start tomorrow, more sunny spells on the way mostly dry, although there are a handful of showers around tomorrow, but they should be very light where they do fall. Now, cloud does gradually build through the day, but we're still looking at sunshine for the afternoon as well in spells and highs of 20 degrees Celsius. And then over the next few days, Friday night, we've got some light patchy rain, but once that passes, we've got dry, bright days with sunny spells and decent temperatures as well. That's your latest forecast. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. We've been talking in the studio about the language that people use around illness, chronic illness, things like cancer. But there is a way you can hear it all again. If someone dies and if their treatment doesn't work... 
it's because somehow they felt negative about having a severe illness. bbc.co.uk slash three counties radio. And there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that anybody's mental attitude has any bearing on how they recover. Allowing you to listen to what you missed. bbc.co.uk slash three counties radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hang on a second. Just, we got you back. Yes, boss. Talk to you, we've got another little mission for you. You've got a busy morning, I'm afraid. Mm, that's fine, fine. Uh, so we're talking about train spotting. I've yeah. just gone on to Twitter. Where are you? Are you, in, in, are you trying to escape the country inside an aeroplane? Well, quite possibly. Uh, Mark, Secret mission. Mark says on Twitter, I'm not a train spotter. But I'm a private car number plate spotter. Oh, oh this what? can't be real. I photo car number plates. I've got about 4,000, and sometimes I see them again. No. No. Uh, no. 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 Yes. No. Calf? Apparently. People are nuts, aren't they? I think he's pulling your leg. Now, uh, Justin. Yes. D- I don't know if you heard Catherine. Tell him about the video you saw. You might again. have seen it, Justin. Little girl. You'd who... like it. You think it was funny. Mm. Little girl with a strong brummy accent doing the um, ice bucket challenge. Right. Have you seen her? No, I haven't. She's no. Two years old. She's sitting on this tiny little deck chair, and just before she starts, she says, "I nominate," and she sort of goes through these different <laughs> names. And you think they're really not going to. She's tiny. She looks like a baby. Yeah. They tip the bucket over her head, and as she runs away. In horror, she says FNL. <sighs> That's going all over Facebook and Twitter at the moment. People wow. think it's hilarious. Am I the only one who thinks it's, it's wrong? I why think it's that, a real shocker. Why is that funny on two levels? Yeah, a, why would you whoa. dump that water over a kid's head? Yeah, she's too young. And secondly, a two-year-old child. Yeah. So, what is it? I'm not a parent, but um, I've well. still got the, the right to an opinion. Why is it? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> Is you a two-year-old child swearing? Yeah, exactly. That is outrageous. Okay, okay, Kelly, I'm going to need your help on this one in a second, right? Okay, yes, it's wrong that a two-year-old child is swearing. And three, why would you video that and pass it round like it's hilarious? It's wrong that a two-year-old is swearing. If my boys did it, then I would sit down and explain to them. This is obviously common language for this young lady. But, Kelly... Mm. It is funny, though, isn't it? It's a bit funny, because oh. it's the shock factor as well. I didn't realise that she was going to swear, and when I heard it, I went... <gasps> And laughed and then felt shocked. Justin, are you just doing that thing you do no, sometimes no. where you're trying to say the right thing so people <laughs> like you? Are you going to come back in the office in three yeah. hours' time and go, yeah, guys, let me see that clip. I bet it's well funny. Well, I'll tell you what, I haven't seen it. That's the first thing. But um, but secondly, if what you're telling me is true, and apparently this is doing the rounds, that is wrong. You you spoke about the Ice Bucket Challenge on Tuesday, saying yeah, that, bullying. That, you, that you weren't going to do it. It's bullying. Yeah. So why is a two-year-old child doing that? Yeah. Why is a child swearing? And thirdly, the parents are probably today very proud yep. about the fact that her two-year-old child is is swearing, and everyone finds and it funny. That's wrong. And oh, fourthly, where's her donation? Yeah, <laughs> where, where's your credit card? <laughs> She's donated some rusks. Yeah. No, right. Okay, listen. It, it, it is horrible that a two-year-old would know such language. I don't. I don't disagree with you on that. But it's happened. It's been filmed. It exists. We might as well enjoy it. It's funny. No. It's like you've been mm-hmm. framed. No, I, make I, don't, I don't think it's right that so many fellas get hit in the ghoulies um, but falling off of tightropes or, or trying Hang to do on. trampolining. Hang on a second. You, but you, it happens and it's funny. You say you've been framed is funny. 
Correct? Yeah. 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 I, I'd probably go along with that. Yeah, it's, but, it's, but it's, it's classic. You're watching the programme, you're laughing, but nobody's swearing. No, people are getting hurt. People are getting physically hurt. Yeah, you don't need to swear to be funny. Oh, mate. No, you don't. You Hang on a minute. We were... Right, let's go there. We, you don't need to swear to be funny, but it no. helps. We were talking about our favourite scene in the Inbetweeners movies. Yeah. And they've got, they all featured swearing. Yeah. The bit where, in, in the Inbetweeners 2, where he walks up to the campfire and he says, oh, there's yeah. always some plum with a guitar. <laughs> now, he doesn't say plum, he says something much worse. Yeah, but there's also some other very funny moments in that film which contain no swearing. All but I'm saying is you don't need to swear to be funny. Sometimes, I suppose, it adds something if you're trying oh. to be funny, but you don't have to swear to be funny. Kelly? Can you help me on this? What do you want me to say? That I'm right. Um, I, actually, I really think that you're right. You see? You disgust me. Oh, <laughs> don't do your actual... And you did a belch. Don't, I didn't. I you, coughed. That wasn't a cough. What a cough doesn't force you to close your mouth, puff out your cheeks and recoil slightly. <laughs> I went... <clears throat> you I, went actually, I, I held it in in a ladylike fashion. You went, I know you don't see that very often. To be fair, Bosch, you're asking somebody's opinion who's been hanging out at the Reading Festival last weekend where nobody could speak a word. So, Catherine, you've been at the Reading Festival? As if. Oh, Kelly. Hi. Justin, can you take it to the streets? I'll take this one to the streets just for you, boss. Thank you, my love. Speak to you later on. Thank you, Kelly. Welcome. Yeah. No thank you, Catherine. Although, really, we're friends. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Who are Nico and Vince? That's the next song queued up. I don't think I'm going to like it. You'll like it if it's got a bit of swearing in it. Oh, flip it, heck! <laughs> yeah, you are, mate. I'm not. Having, <laughs> he's completely wrong. I'm not having that. Hang on a minute. Um, I see what we're gonna have. We'll have a little bit of this. Shall we? No, not not Eddie Grant. We'll have a little bit of these bad boys.
Ray uh, on Twitter has just directed me towards the website lorryspotting.com. What's that about then? Well, uh, let me have a little look. Uh, we click on the link here. Oh, it's about lorries. And spotting them. 258,868 lorries are on this site. Number of lorries added in the last seven days, 1,042. Uh, you have to join. Let's see how much it costs to join. Hang on. Flip it, Eck! Join into what? Look at pictures of lorries? Yeah, it's 46 quid. That's not lorry spotting, is it? I thought you're supposed to stand by the road and see them in person. <laughs> That's 46 quid! Oh, forget that. I'm out. Google image search, my friend. Lorry. We've got a minute and a half. Give me some cat facts. Cats. Why do cats purr in that? Well, the Daily Express has devoted a whole page. Cats get stuck up trees because their claws face forward, so they cannot be used as a brake going down. Oh! Yeah, cats can swivel their whiskers forward when hunting to provide short-range radar. I'm sure it's not radar. No one knows why most cats respond to catnip, but not all do. The behaviour released in some is a bizarre mixture of play, feeding and female sexual behaviour. Yeah, cat- the catnip is awesome. You get catnip spray, it's like giving them but speed or something. But they act like fe- in a female sexual way, whether the cat is male or female. Oh, blimey. Cats may first play with the catnip toy if it's, if it's a form of prey, but quickly switch into bouts of a seemingly ecstatic combination of face rubbing or body rolling. Does it, does it tell you in there why cats claw people's laps when they're trying to sit down? Um... Because, do you remember this? Have you ever seen a cat, when it gets into its basket, it'll turn and turn and turn and stick its paws into the bottom? Right. And it sounds when it gets on your lap and it digs its paws into your leg because it thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. It thinks what? It thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. What? It thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. That can't be right. It thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. A cat is clawing you because of what, Dave? It thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. Does that uh, article there back up that um, theory no. uh, that Dave says that cats claw your lap because... It thinks it's going to sleep on a snake. No. Dave, thanks very much. Travel news for beds, hards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's starting to get busier on the M25 now. Anti-clockwise, it's slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. And also, it's looking heavy between Junction 21 for the M1 and Junction 18 for Chorleywood. Having a look at the speed sensors on the A405 North Orbital Road at Bricketwood, it's still heavy towards uh, the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And on the A1 coming into London at Mill Hill, it's looking slow southbound between the A41 Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Checking the trains and there's no reported problems so far i'm samantha breath bbc three counties radio thank you samantha so lots to talk about why don't you give us a call during the news a two-year-old swearing after having the ice bucket challenge done Uh, well listen it's it's wrong that the kid's swearing but be honest be honest it's funny isn't it and can we get into the mind of a train spotter an aeroplane spotter A lorry spotter? A car spotter? Are you one? Is your member of your family one? 08459 455 555. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. The Foreign Office is in Luton to talk to smaller charities about Syria. Woman escapes an arson attack on her home in Bedfordshire and the Watford man who can't be housed with his dog. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Foreign Office will be in Luton today to encourage smaller charities to work with the government to provide aid for Syria. 
The event at the Carnival Arts Centre aims to discuss what more communities and the government can do to help in Syria. Ben Nye has more. Government officials will answer questions at the event and discuss where the £600 million committed by Britain ends up. The Charity Commission has previously expressed concerns about where aid from smaller charities goes and advises giving to well-established ones instead. At last estimate, around 50,000 civilians had been killed in the three-year conflict. Bedfordshire police say a woman from Houghton Regis had a lucky escape after her ground floor flat was deliberately set on fire. The attack took place on Sunday afternoon when someone started the fire on her balcony. The woman, who was sleeping in her living room at the time, managed to put out the blaze. A court has been told that a man was murdered in Hertfordshire because of a long-running family feud. Thomas Ward was shot dead at the Dyes Lane caravan site in Stevenage just five days after becoming a father. Lee Agnew reports. The jury was told that 26 years ago, Thomas's father had been blamed for the death of his cousin in a car crash and had gone on to shoot his other cousin. The younger brother of the dead men, 33-year-old John Boy Ward, is accused of hatching a plan to shoot Thomas Ward last April. John Boy Ward from Clarkson Court in Hatfield pleads not guilty to murder. His wife Jolene and two other people deny assisting an offender. A man from Watford looking to be housed by the council after being forced to give up work because of a back problem has been told he must also give up his dog. Friends of Steve McMahon say the dog is the only thing that keeps him going but Watford Borough Council can't find him accommodation which allows pets. Elizabeth Ormerod from the Society for Companion Animal Studies told Ian Lee other places such as Wandsworth have a different attitude. They re-examined all the tenancy rules. This was the council. And they said, well, why are we banning pets? So they actually introduced pets, but with pet-owning rules. And they now say, best thing they ever did. And the community, not just the pet owners, but everybody is happier. South Yorkshire's Police and Crime Commissioner Sean Wright has resigned from the Labour Party but says he won't quit his post over the failure to tackle child sexual exploitation in Rotherham. Mr Wright, who used to be in charge of children's services, had been threatened with suspension from the party. In football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United this week. The weather, patchy rain clearing to become mostly dry with sunny spells and a high of 22 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counters. Now, dear listener, imagine a bell ringing for 700 years. It would drive you nuts. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Quite a pleasant market town. It's all about where you live. Lots of community activities. All this week, we're featuring Aylesbury. The history of Aylesbury goes back 1,400 years, so you've got a little bit of everything. Aylesbury's a really easy place to live. People get on with each other and they let each other get on with life as well. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday. It's the 28th of August. It's it's autumn now, isn't it? We're in autumn. Aren't we? I think we are. Catherine's shaking her head and giving me a stern look. I think you're trying to deny the... Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. The S has gone. We're into the A. No. Yes. Have you seen the weather out there? Yeah, the weather says that, but my heart says, no, there must be more summer. I'm afraid, mate, that's it. It's done. It's gone. It was a good summer. Let's look forward to a cracking Christmas, guys. 
Lots to talk about on the show this morning, including Syrian charities are told to work together, a disabled man is told to get rid of his dog, and there's a video that's been going round, I believe it's gone viral, of a two-year-old having the ice bucket challenge done. Don't like the ice bucket challenge. I, I, I've thought about this a lot. I think it's bullying. And what does the kids, the two-year-old little girl say, uh, Kath? She jumps up, c- soaked, and says, FNL. Now, 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 if it were my boys, I'd be upset. It's not my boys, it's some other girl. Well, and while I think it's bad that she knows that language, I also think it's quite funny. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible. Wow. 459 455 555, please. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Why do you think it's terrible? People would find that funny. People would think it was funny and okay to tip water over a kid's head like that and filming it. And that it's considered hilarious that a child who is a baby knows that kind of language and and knows how how it's used as well. I'll agree with you on the the tipping the water thing. I think that's silly. Although, you know, we get... There's no guarantee it's freezing cold. I'm hoping it's it's not not ice water. I bet it's not ice water in a two-year-old. We all all chuck water at our kids and spray them with hoses and stuff. So actually, I don't think it's necessarily that But it's the setting up of her in the chair. Ah, it's kids. Kids love that stuff. Oh, no, I don't know. Kids love that stuff. Uh, But it's the the effing hell is the bit that really gets your goat. Yeah. G's your G. Yeah. I think it's I just think it's funny. Um, yeah, okay. I, I think don't think it's horrible. I think it's coarse. I think it's ugly coming from a child. It's ugly for coming from an adult and she obviously hears it all the time. And that I find shocking. I think it's sad that that, that child is brought up in an, in an environment where it's acceptable for, for that language to be used in front of a child. I don't swear in front of my boys and I would if someone was swearing loudly in front of my children, I would uh, say oi, button it. But it happened. It's online. It's just... We might as well all have a laugh and swap it round. We might as well just have a little laugh and swap it round. No, it's funny. No, I just think it's horrible. Wow. OK, well, let's put it out there. 08459 455 555. And this morning, as we find out, the first ever train spotter was a, a young lady by the name of Fanny, uh, 153 years ago. Um, we're trying to get into the mind of the train spotter or the plane spotter or the lorry spotter. Why? How, what, what buzz do you get from it? I collect records and memorabilia from the monkeys, and I've got physical things to look at that are pretty and, you know, are collectible, and there is a limited number of them. You're writing down train numbers. How does that work? You'll be treated with sensitivity, sensitivity and respect. 08459 455 555. Now... Government officials will be in Luton later in a bid to channel the efforts of small local charities sending aid to Syria. Since the start of the war, uh, the UK has pledged £600 million to the conflict's innocent victims. And uh, there can't be anybody who would argue with that. Uh, But there's been some concern that money, food and supplies from smaller charities may fall into the wrong hands, intentionally or unintentionally. Well, Sufian Sadiq from Luton has raised money for Syria and has been out there to provide aid work. Morning. Are you concerned that some of the smaller fundraisers may have bitten off more than they can chew in this situation? Morning. Uh, yes, uh, no doubt. The the response from the public has been overwhelming. So there, there could be an argument to say that some of them are in unprecedented kind of territory with regards to where they're working, with the amount that they're dealing with as well. 
How do people f- avoid falling into the trap of, of sending money or food or aid to the, the wrong people? Because it, it's a very confusing conflict, isn't it? It's, it's not a clear-cut, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. I, I think the the government's initiative uh, today, I, I personally do not think it's the right direction that we're heading in. We have a charity commission which is there to investigate, look into, set standards for the charitable sector. Now, if a charity has a registration and is abiding by everything that the commission requires, we should therefore assume that it is okay to donate to a charity like that that's working out there in Syria. To now say that the government has to almost intervene and say that we will handle your charity, uh, it kind of takes away from the whole aspect of the non-governmental organisations and the sector being independent of government influence. Uh, the, the government is trying to stop people travelling to Syria, uh, even for humanitarian reasons. What do you think about that? There's only so much you can stop people. The, the fact is that they, they will probably have very little impact in stopping people. I, I, I've said this previously and I stick by it. I think the best thing that they can do is to educate people on if you are going to go, these are the charities that you should go with. This is the kind of training that is provided by these charities so that you can be effective while out there. Because the problem is some people are going out there and perhaps it's not the most effective use of their time uh, out there because they're not skilled in this stuff. They've not been out into a war zone before. It is very difficult. It is challenging. So it's not for everyone, I agree. But to say to people that you can't go, I don't think that's the right solution either. It is a a complicated uh, situation out there, uh, as I was saying. It's not like World War II, where, hey, those the people in, in those uniforms are bad and these people are good. And, and it, it could be easy for me to think, hey, do you know what? The images I've seen of Syria are so upsetting. I'm going to go out with a bucket today, and I'm going to shake it, and all the money I get, I'm going to send to the first Syrian charity I can find. There is a chance that if someone were to do that, with the best intentions, they might be funding something quite unpleasant. How, how, do they, how do they find the right charities, the good ones? I, I understand that, but it is a very simplistic view. Uh, people who will take the time out and effort out to go and fundraise, and there's hundreds of people around Luton that are doing fundraising initiatives, they will look into the charities that they are sponsoring or supporting, and it will be charities that have got a rapport, have got a track record of doing stuff like this internationally. Very rarely will it be a charity that's small, or something that no one's heard of. Well, but that's uh, that's the problem that the government is talking about. They're not talking about Oxfam and the big ones like that. They're they're looking at, at the small ones that that haven't necessarily got a track record that that do exist. But then the question should be asked. The government should be asked the question: If these charities are legally operating in Syria. Uh, under the rules of the commission, should we be looking at what are, what is the commission there for? If the commission is there to ensure that the money is getting to the right people the way it should be, and that's what the commission does, it just che- it checks whether it's transparent, whether the wor- work that they are claiming to carry out is actually being carried out, then what, why, why should it be a filtering of, I, I go out there, I want to donate, and I now have been told that the charity I've given to is a bad charity according to the government, and this one's a good charity. I've it's just, very hard for the average person. Oh, yeah, I've just, well, it is, I've just Googled Syrian charities while you've been talking. Yeah. And there are, there are dozens, if not hundreds, hand-in-hand hand for Syria, Syrian humanitarian relief, Syria crisis appeal, save the children, Syria relief, 
yeah. uh, children of Syria appeal, Syria yeah. relief. There are there are so many. I, I don't know. Which, you know, I'm sure they're all legitimate, but I don't know which one to go to. It, is it? Is you're saying it's a bad thing that the government are encouraging people to kind of work together on this? I, I think government interve- intervention, from what I understand, a lot of it is saying that hey, I give it through this channel, and we will, the government influence uh, on the fact that they want to be taking responsibility to actually even give out some of this aid to the people that they say are the the ones that most in need. It's a non-governmental sector because of the political uh, affiliations and the impact that politics can have uh, for those that are in need and those that need the uh, aid the most. So I think the government should provide guidance, no doubt, uh, but to restrict people as to where they choose to give, if they're giving to a lawful, lawfully registered charity, I, I think is the wrong way to go about it. There's a lot of charities registered with the Charity Commission that are abiding by the rules. They may be small, they may be large, but if they're registered with the Commission, they're transparent in how they're spending their money, we should be providing support. There's millions of pounds that are going out there. And unfortunately, the, the response from the global community for Syria uh, in terms of UN, the US and the UK hasn't been overwhelming in terms of the support provided. Therefore, the non-governmental sector and the support voluntary sector has been absolutely needed. It's, it, without that, I think it would be an absolute crisis beyond what it is already for the people of Syria because they depend so much on this aid. 600 million quid from the UK. There, there, there might be people listening who go, hang on, what, 600 million pounds to Syria? Why don't we go and build some hospitals and some schools here and it, in this but, country? But this is 600 million pounds that people choose to give. Yeah. And, and I think that choice is the most important thing. I, I, I think it's important to give locally and give internationally. And I'm sure and I know that many people believe the same thing. We have a food bank in Luton that's heavily supported by people in Luton. But that's not to say that we neglect our responsibilities abroad. If there's a disaster taking place abroad and there's people in need, it's our humanitarian obligation to support. Sophia, I appreciate your time. Sophia and Sadiq. 08459 It's our humanitarian obligation to support. Your thoughts on that, please. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Dunstable, the A5 High Street North is busy out of town between the A505 Church Street and Houghton Parade. That's from the West Street lights in the centre of town towards the Houghton Parade, checking the CCTV cameras. On the motorways, the M1 southbound is looking slow between the M1 Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. And on the M25 anti-clockwise, it's heavy between Junction 21 for the M1 and Junction 18 for Chorleywood. Having a look at further into London on the A405 North Orbital Road. It's heavy at the M25 Junction 21A roundabouts and on the A1 Watford Way at Mill Hill. It's slow southbound between the A41 Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus on the CCTV. Checking the trains and there's no reported problems so far. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. 7.15. It's uh, Thursday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Smaller charities in Luton are being asked to work with the government in providing aid for Syria. A man in Watford has been told he'll give he'll, <coughs> excuse me he'll have to give up his dog if the council is to find him accommodation. <coughs> 
And the Police and Crime Commissioner for South Yorkshire is refusing to quit, even though he's had to leave the Labour Party. BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Quite a pleasant market town. Well, it's at the moment a thriving town. It's, it's certainly on the up. All this week, we're featuring Aylesbury. People work well together. There's a nice feeling. There are friendly people. People do smile at each other on the street. Nestling in the Chilterns. Lots of nice countryside round, you know. Inviting everyone to where you live. Very pretty with all the hanging baskets they've done this year. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. The bell came from the old fry which gives the name to Fry Square in Aylesbury. From BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about train spotters, uh, and it's it's kicking off on, on Twitter. Uh, Lindsay Frostick, remember that name? Yes. From Arriva Buses. Yes. Regular on the show. Uh, she has uh, tweeted us, what about bus spotters? Well, that's been mentioned on the texts. Oh, really? Go on. Would you like me to tell you? <laughs> yes, please. Bus driver Jay. Hi, morning crew. Train spotting hat. As you know, I'm a bus driver, yep. and if you walk up the busway, you see bus spotters every day with a camera and notepad, and sometimes even with a camcorder. Wow, they really want that live action wow, shot. a camcorder. Well, yeah, okay. He says, I must be famous by now with the amount of bus spotters that have taken my pick while driving. Also, that video, I'm with you, Ian. It's funny, but the parents should be held responsible for her swearing. That's the two-year-old swearing. We'll get onto that in a second because lots of Facebook comments on that. That does remind me, actually, my boys like looking at trains because they're boys. Yeah. Uh, and if you go on YouTube and type in trains, there are loads of videos that people have made of trains. And yeah. it's just them stood at a, a, a level crossing filming it. Some of them have edited it together using um, really, really good editing software from uh, about 2001, <laughs> <laughs> where, where the picture spins in and nice. then spins out. So, um, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me. People film buses, actually. Yeah. Have you got any more texts? Or? Yeah, uh, you're talking about train spotters. Helen in Milton Keynes says her friend's dad goes Eddie Stobart lorry spotting. <laughs> and she's glad we're all back together. Ah, well. Um, Face- yeah. What sp- is that thing with you? That's a great marketing ploy, wasn't it? I'm an Eddie spotter. Yeah. That was great. The, the, now, the Facebook page, have you got the Facebook page up? Yeah, I but have. That we have posted, it's not safe for work, guys. So have or in front of your children. Yeah, well. Despite the fact you think it's a two-year-old. It's a two-year-old um, being, and I guess there are two issues here. It's a two-year-old doing the ice bucket challenge, which I think, I think the whole ice bucket challenge thing is, is, is bullying. And I, I, actually, I quite strongly disapprove of it. Now I've thought about it. Um, I, it won't be ice water they're pouring on that two-year-old. I hope not. It'll be, it'll be scalding hot. No, no it won't. It won't. It'll be, it'll be fine. And kids like having water chucked on them. So that doesn't bother me. But the thing that, that, that has caused controversy here is the fact that the two-year-old gets up and says... Well, she, to put it politely, she says FNL. Yeah. I think it's funny. Scott on Twitter uh, just watched it. It's well funny, man. He then goes on to say it would have been better if she had a fag on there. Yeah, well, maybe the f- a couple of tattoos. The fag, would have, the fag would have got wet, Scott. Think it through, mate. Think it through. What are they saying on Facebook? Um, Adam Lake thinks it's disgraceful a two-year-old using that word. Tom Brown says, scum, how can you even pour water over a little kid's head? Oh. Maybe that's strong. <laughs> scum. Dave Butcher Alford says, I saw this three days three days ago. Funny as, and he swears then. Yeah. Um, and swears again with LMAO. And says, oh, kids, eh? And then Jeremy Williams says... <laughs> So many perfect parents are quick to judge this clip. She's two years old. 
Yeah. It's a well-known fact that when a child reaches five years old, they have no memory of their first few years. So it's all a huge fuss over nothing. What? Oh, it turns out me preserving my children's innocence completely pointless. Hang on a minute. Why am I why am I sending my children on holidays or doing anything for them if they're yeah. going to forget it in a couple of years? Just sit them in a room. It is it, uh, the thing is right. Kids swearing, I think, is bad, and I think it's sad. I do think it's sad. Um, but that is a funny clip. That mm. made me laugh. Funny. It, do you know what? It's just kind of the for me. It's the wider thing of if she's hearing that kind of language. What what thought is given to the fact that she is little and innocent and a baby? Put that to one side and just just enjoy the funny clip of a two year old. I was really swearing. shocked by it. I know you were. You're upset. You sent me a text yesterday. You're very upset by it. I think it's funny. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. It does feature indoor language, so you might, you know, not want your kids to to hear it. You might want to have headphones. You might on. not be bothered like some of the people on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it and give us a call. Are you shocked or do you think, ah, oh, come on, man, it's funny? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, uh, we're always asking you if you hear a whisper. Give us a shout. Thank you, Kelly. Catherine? No, I think it's rubbish. If something's going on, give us a, well, this is, an email. We're asking you to, if you hear a whisper, give us a shout. And this has worked. Earlier this week, Mike Taylor from Watford heard a whisper and he... Gave us a shout. That was an email. He sent us a shouty email about his friend, Steve McMahon, who, after years of fending for himself, has found himself unable to work and needing the borough council to find him somewhere to live. Trouble is... Their offer is conditional on him giving up his dog. Well, Steve joins me on the line now. Morning, Steve. Good morning. T- tell me a little bit of the backstory to this. W- w- how have you found yourself in this unfortunate position? In April 2010, I had an uh, industrial injury where I herniated two discs in my neck and oh. displaced a further four. Blimey. How did you, can I ask how you did that? Um, yeah, I was a, a gas engineer for one of the big six companies, yeah. and I was working on a boiler and uh, where I was twisted in an awkward position. Um, I tried to tighten the nut and uh, pop, suddenly two discs herniated. And so were you like someone's, you know, sort of cupboard or something, trying to get around the back of the boiler? And Exactly. Oh, uh, really? Gosh. And I was uh, on my hands and knees in someone's kitchen. And did, when it popped, did, I mean, was it instant agony? Uh, absolutely. Oh. It was like someone putting a burning hot knife into the back of your neck and um, it, it was just uh, excruciating and uh, I had to leave the actual property and get someone else to finish the job. And, wow. And you've, you've, you've had to quit your job, have you? Um, I was medically retired back right. in 2012 and over the past 18 months I've been having um, epidural-type facet injections up to nearly... 20 now into the ba- into the base of my um well sorry the top of my neck and into my spine oh steve and i'm on about uh, 15 to 20 tablets per day well so you, you i i think very few people would be able to call you a shirker you you sound like you want to work but you can't oh no no i left work at, uh, i left school at 17 and i've worked and paid taxes all my life i'm 47 years of age now um so uh, for the past 30 years i've i've, I've paid my bit into uh, to the national yeah, to the and so because of this this injury, because of having to, to get medically retired off work, what you can't afford your rent anymore, so you need council accommodation. Yeah, my uh, landlady, after living in the same flat for ten years, has decided to sell. I I, I don't blame her. She's uh, remarried. She's now uh, qualified as a doctor. When I first met her, she was a student, and um, no, I can't blame her. She just wants to consolidate everything. And um, okay, so I you're given out. Notice. And you're, you're out and you're re- relying on Watford Borough Council to find you somewhere. They found you somewhere, have they? Is that right? They did find me somewhere. Uh, it was all agreed for me to move into the property. Um, the landlord agreed. Um, 
I mentioned I had a dog and she said that was fine, but then she checked the lease on the actual uh, block of flats and it said no pets. So that was a, uh, that was a no-no. Um, because I explained to them that uh, I rescued a dog three years ago and other than pain and medica- medication, the only consistent thing I've had in the past three years has been my dog, who's been with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, I wasn't prepared to give him up because, number one, he's not only a pet and my best friend, he's also a physiotherapy dog. Without him, I wouldn't go out walking three times a day. I wouldn't be able to move around. Quite frankly, I should actually be, be in a wheelchair, but with the, the fact that uh, I, I get up and walk three times a day is what's um, keeping me active. Now, Steve, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Li- Lionel yeah. is the dog's name. Let's, let's name-check him, for goodness sake, because he's an important part of this story. Uh, d- d- there will be people listening who might be thinking, well, hang on a second, you, you're getting up and walking the dog. You could get up and walk without the dog. Yeah, the, yeah but there's, uh, there is that. It, 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 it's very easy when you're suffering with pain um, to actually just lay there and hope that it will go away. Feed yourself full of tablets and then hope, hope, yourself, hope that it will actually go away and alleviate itself. But if you, you can put, if you can feed yourself full of tablets and maybe get up and exercise yourself, which is going to be more beneficial for you, then, you know, uh, inactivity causes more problems. It sounds like, and tell me, this is what I'm making up from what I hear, that, that Lionel has kind of stopped you going a bit nuts and stopped you getting really depressed and, and kind of wallowing in 100%. self-pity. You yeah. hit the nail right, right on the head. Depression yeah. is a major part of everything as well. Um, I've been told that my condition is inoperable. I've got a 50-50 chance of walking again if they ever did decide to do any operation. So that's a definite no-no in that respect. So I have to basically get by on medication and these injections periodically every four months. So, and they're also learning about my injury as well. They're not 100% about my injury. I can't commit to anything at the moment because I don't know uh, the results of wh- where the injections will be going. And they don't know either. Yeah. Each person reacts differently. So the dog has been my lifeline. He's, and he's also helped in the charity work that we do. Um, through Lee Farm, uh, where I actually walked the dog, one of the gentlemen there, Martin Harrison and Mike Taylor, who's contacted yeah. me, they they actually got a petition up with all the other dog walkers, dog walkers and sent it through to the mayor, Dorothy Thornhill. And um, I was very surprised that it uh, amounted over 60 signatures, and to which I'm, I'm eternally grateful to the people of Lee Farm and, and the surrounding area for doing this for me. See, we've got a statement from, from Watford Borough Council, which is really long. It doesn't really say a lot, although it's got an interesting little thing at the end, which I will read, which is, which is asking for um, a, a, any landlords who will accept pets to get in touch. And I'll give out those details in a bit. But they have said they've got no housing stock. They have to rely on private landlords who often don't want pets in their home. Can you understand why some landlords would be reluctant to have pets? I, I, I can, yeah. But uh, then you're answering to stereotypes, aren't you? Number one, each case should be studied on its own merits. I believe mm. um, I can under- I can fully understand if you know in the past that, that people have been um, say had their properties mistreated. But um, I've lived in a property for ten years, 
and had a dog for 10 years. Mm. Um, not just Lionel, I had a dog previously to this. And both, both of them... What was your rich. other dog called, Steve? Because Lionel's, I'll be honest, Lionel's an odd name for a dog. I'm wondering <laughs> what, the, what the other one was called. <laughs> the other one was Tyson. They were both rescue dogs. There we go. Tyson's a bit, that's a bit better. Did you name it Lionel or was, did that how it come? That came from the rescue centre. Oh, okay. And right. uh, I was urged by all the other dog walkers not, not to change it. <laughs> no, no it you're not supposed to, yeah. Lionel! Lionel! <laughs> uh, listen, if, if, if the council can't find your place, then yeah. we can take a dog. What's going to happen? Uh, well, basically, I'll be, I'll be on the streets. That's the, that's the be all and end all of it. You're, you're that you're that you're that um, connected to this dog that you would end up homeless. Yes, yes, yeah. I, 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 we were always told that we're a pet loving society. We're told that a dog is for life. It's not just for Christmas. And I'm a, I'm a great believer in that. Um, you wouldn't ask someone who's had a child for three years to get their child adopted. Oh mate, that, that is the way. He is not just a member of fa- uh, member of the family. He's at times closer to me than my tattoo. Let's put it that way. Steve, listen. Uh, I-, I wish you and Lionel the best of luck. Will you keep in touch and let us know how it goes. I will indeed. Yes, and thank you so much for your time, and thank you for the listeners as uh, well. Listen, thank you very much indeed. That sounds horrible. Injured himself. We've all seen the the, the plumbers, the gas engineers, round the back of the the, the boiler on their hands and knees. Yeah. And, to injure yourself that badly through doing that yeah awful got a statement from Watford Borough Council it goes on for ages the interesting bit is the last paragraph the council is always looking for private landlords to work with us and we will be delighted to hear from anyone who would accommodate pets if you have a property to let there's an email address coming guys if you have a property to let you can find details of our home let scheme on our website oh sorry watford.gov.uk or by emailing here we go homelet at watford.gov.uk so if you're if you're a landlord and you'd be all right with taking pets send an email to homelet at watford.gov.uk now you've heard steve's story there i'm a pet owner i can completely understand do you think he's nuts or do you get it do you get it particularly when you're ill and you're on a lot of medication the temptation is to stay in bed feel sorry for yourself watch jeremy kyle and cash in the attic all day that dog lionel lionel is getting him out, doing exercise and giving him something to take himself out of himself. 08459 four double five five double five. Come up to seven thirty. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Markgate, the A5 southbound is slow between. Uh, it's looking slow at Luton Road on the speed sensors. In Dunstable, the A5 High Street North as well out of town is very busy between the A505 at Church Street and Houghton Parade from the West Street lights in the centre of town towards the parade. On the motorways, the M1 southbound is looking slow between Junction 10 for Luton Airport Spur Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. And the M25 anti-clockwise is slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Having a look further into London on the A1 travelling southbound towards London it's queuing at the Stirling Corner There's no problems to report so far on the train Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio Samantha, thank you very much So, a man who won't be parted from his dog and he's prepared to go homeless and two-year-old swearing If you want to see the clip of a two-year-old swearing it's you might want to have your headphones on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Kath hates it, I think it's funny Talk to you after the news with Jane. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's 7.30. I'm Jane Killick. The Foreign Office will be in Luton today to encourage smaller charities to work with the government to provide aid for Syria. The event at the Carnival Arts Centre aims to discuss what more communities in the government can do to help in Syria. A man from Watford looking to be housed by the council has been told he must give up his dog. Friends of Steve McMahon say the dog is the only thing that keeps him going, but Watford Borough Council can't find him accommodation which allows pets. The weather, early rain, then sunny intervals with a high of 22 Celsius. Under sport and in football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United on Tuesday. Bradford beat Leeds last night. The tie will be played in four weeks' time. Meanwhile, there's been more Premier League casualties in the League Cup. Queen's Park Rangers and Aston Villa are the big names to fall in the second round. QPR, the biggest of the shocks as they were beaten by Gary Rowett's League Two side, Burton Albion. I thought the game plan worked brilliantly well and the players executed it fantastically. I've got to say that you know they've shown once again, I mean that's six games this season, we've won five and drawn one. Uh, it's a terrific start and, and two of those are Wigan, uh, obviously an ex-Premier League side and, and now QPR. Watford captain Troy Deeney has signed a new four-year contract at Vicarage Road, ending speculation about his future. The club's top scorer last season has been subjected to transfer rumours since the summer. Premier League clubs are reported to have made offers for the striker. He's already scored two goals this season. Arsenal are through to the group stages of the Champions League for the 17th successive season after a 1-0 win over Besiktas. Besiktas. Uh, England's cricketers have been thrashed by India in the second one-day international in Cardiff. Suresh Rayner hit a century as the tourists posted 304 for six. India lead the five-match series 1-0. Captain Alistair Cook was unimpressed with his side. That was a poor performance. We bowled too many extras. We were sloppy in the field. Even then, we we had we kind of contained them for you know the first 35 overs. And then, as it is a little bit with our side at the moment, the power play they played very well in there. But you know we were probably very a bit slow to react going to different balls, and we made maybe froze a little bit but yeah 300 is too many bbc three counties news and sport the next bulletin is eight if you hear a whisper give us a shout ian lee bbc (laughs) three counties radio sorry did that come out (laughs) i love it how do you make kath groan you simply play that you simply press button eight on the hotkeys let's again then if you hear a whisper, Here give us comes. a shout. Oh. Hey, you can't BBC hold it in. Three Counties Radio. Kells is totally rocking out It to makes it. my soul wither and my organs recoil. It's good, mate. It you makes are. me feel happy that there's a jingle for it. Yeah. I wish that we had the people that we found in the street saying it over the jingle. Put Mike? this in a jingle. Mike? How about that? No, I'm not going to put that in a jingle. That's more visual. Uh, you wait until in September. We need to choose the date when we do a whole uh, straight local radio breakfast show, guys. Then you're sold. Yeah, then there'll be loads of that. Now, the Facebook comments, don't get personal against me about this clip of this little girl. Or each other. It's a conversation we're having amongst friends. Where's the one where she has a pop at me? Um, Which one? Andrea. Diane. No, where is it, Diane? Can you read it? I can't see it. It's very worrying that parents think it's so amusing that they would share it in the first place. It speaks volumes about their parenting. It's unsurprising Ian thinks it's funny. It speaks volumes about Ian. Well, okay, Diane, that's that's cute, but um, pointless. Um, It's funny. It's funny, and I would say most of the people there agree. I think if it is funny to people, it's because it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You say that as though it's a bad thing. Yeah, but it's. I think funny and shocking can go hand in hand when it's an adult doing it on purpose. But when a child's doing it because they hear it all the time, I think it's awful. I watched this Monday. I laughed so much because that little girl is so cute. Was not expecting the F word. She's famous because of this clip. Hey, let's make all kids really cute. (laughs) And here's an interesting... Tom says scum. 
How can you even pour water over a little kid's head? And then Amy comes in and says, quick, send social services, because we do it every bath time. I know, that's what I'm saying to you. It's getting a bit leery, so let's all calm down but, and have a chat. Uh, Amy makes a good point. I pour, kid, I pour water on the kids' heads every bath time. Yeah, but you out, see them out in the garden and pour a great big bucket over there. They're out in Greece at the moment. And as you've heard, I phone them up after the show. It's 11 o'clock in, in the morning over there when we finish. And they're by the swimming pool. And they go and just jump in the swimming pool for me. Wonderful. That's one thing. <laughs> yeah. Kids like being wet. I don't, I'm hoping and I don't believe it could be icy water. But the swearing is, it's the swearing's the thing I mainly have a problem with. Just. Oh, this is wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong. <laughs> the voice of reason has spoken. <laughs> Everybody, conversation over. Oh, do you know what? A two-year-old girl in the garden having freezing cold water it's thrown not, over it, her head. Okay, we don't know it's freezing cold. Why I is be- she screaming then? Because kids scream, Justin. That's what they do. It means having a good time. So if it was warm, she wouldn't scream. She knows it's coming, so it's freezing cold. That's why she's screaming. No, and mate. for a two-year-old child at the end of the video to swear, and then for the parents to upload this video oh, and to make her apparently now famous, yeah. I just think it's absolutely outrageous. We've had some belting text on it as well. Go I on, bet what, you have. What you got? Let's have some text. And we'll I have see a very clear... Because one of the um, Facebookers said that you don't have any memories at all from before the age of five. Yeah. I dispute that, actually, but then um, there you go. I remember being three. <laughs> Sorry, what you said that funny? <laughs> what happened when you were three? I, I do. I remember about being three. I remember being in my living room. I can see it now, and I'm crouching behind the coffee table, looking round at my mum and thinking, "I am three. Great really? memories. Yeah, was yeah, it your birthday? Yeah. No, no. I just remember thinking I'm, it's like my first point of being aware. I know that that's not true about not having any memories before five because I started school at four and you know for sure that something that happened to me when I was four at school has changed the way I do something completely. She was denied a lollipop. Really? Yeah, imagine that. That's outrageous. By a teacher. Right. When you, I think when you're brought up by people who generally treat you nicely, yeah. when someone doesn't, yeah. it's quite shocking to you as a child. Here we go. And this teacher Here had me go. queued up behind everyone. It was the end of the Christmas party. We were all queuing up in a row, and as we left, she gave us all a Kojak lolly. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> Not her. Because as she went to give it to me... She snatched it away and said, get to the back of the line, I don't give lollipops to rude little girls. <sighs> she was su- suggesting that because she didn't, I didn't say thank you before she gave me the lolly, yeah. I was rude and horrible. And from then on, whenever someone hands me something, yeah. before it hits my hand, I always say thank you. What, what are they giving you? Well, whatever it might be. <laughs> I hate teachers with issues. Clearly one there. She had a thing. I don't know what it was, but she used to pick on me all the time. Yeah. And I, I, it was shocking to me. Can I just me. say, the conversation between you and Justin right now is a psychologist's dream. <laughs> well, I know. They'll be doing, if someone record this, they'll be doing workshops yeah. on what you're saying and then Justin's so, response. If you've had a bad childhood, guys, don't become a teacher to take it out on the kids. <laughs> all right? Top tip. Right. Anyway, we so we're to back the to the text. text. Please. Amanda's got an interesting view. Oh, here we go. I have a clear memory of a child at my nan's house. My little brother was in one of those little cars you push with your legs. <laughs> This is Jonathan, not me. Right. Um, and got stuck on the edge of a rug. His first word emerged, which was F. Oh. My nan turned to my dad and said, what the F have you been teaching him? <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, said Jonathan. And here's another one. Amanda says, why should one word offend more than the other? Uh, my children swear, the words don't offend me. I've chosen not to be offended. Oh. I've told them that others might be concerned, though, and they should consider when to use these words. How old are our kids? 
That's inter- that'd be interesting. I lived next to a park. All children know these words. Oh, mine don't. So probably not really worth censoring what your children hear. But these obviously are not allowed to use them at home as they use nothing else out of parents' earshot. So they're swearing their heads off. Be inter- who is that who sent that in? Um, Amanda. She also says, I'm not sure why people perpetuate the offensive angle. Wouldn't it be better if no words were considered this way? Well, that's interesting. But, but the F word has been offensive for about 600 years. So I, it's going to be hard to... D- I actually to think we do need magic power. words because sometimes only the F word will do. But if you use it too much, it becomes... Was it that loses Amanda, its power. Mm. Amanda, t- let us know how old your kids are that are swearing. Because if they're like 18 and 15, well, that's different. If they're, if they're four and two, then that's a strange place to be. Justin, you, you took it to the streets. Yes. Um, He's doing anyway. his serious voice, guys. No, no, seriously, I, I was embarrassed by this. I'm taking uh, an iPhone out and showing people the video of this two-year-old girl taking on board the Ice Bucket Challenge and then swearing at the end. 25 seconds of pure hell. Oh. Um, so I've taken it to the streets. It's not about me, though, Ian. No, um, you, you know my views. Um, here's what people had to say about this outrageous video. Well, Jake, you've seen the video before. You've seen it again this morning. Uh, be honest, what What's your thoughts on this video? Well, my first impression was it was terrible. You know, a, a young child swearing like that, and whoever <laughs> whoever was filming it should really be ashamed of themselves, to be honest. I don't think the ice bucket challenge was meant for children. The use of foul language by a child that's probably younger than about three years old. Two years old. Is, is abysmal. Now, Michelle, you are pregnant with your first child. You have just seen that video for the first time, and your mouth was wide open. You are shocked at what you've just seen, aren't you? Yes, I am. I think it's terrible that she had language like that. The language is one thing. What about a two-year-old child doing the ice bucket challenge? When your child is two, would you let somebody throw a bucket of ice-cold water over your two-year-old child? No. No. Not at all. But I suppose everyone's parenting is a bit different. (laughs) Certainly different on this occasion. (laughs) Yes. Come on, James. What do you think about this video? It's hilarious. Why is it so funny? Because she's young and just doesn't know what's wrong. It's just funny. Yeah. I, I think it's wrong, personally. I think the ice bucket challenge is wrong for a two-year-old kid and the fact she's swearing. Am I just miserable? Yes. <laughs> it's raising money for charity, and it's, it's something to do. It's way of raising money and awareness, so... Maybe the swearing's not the best, but then that's just modern society, so... I, I agree with James. It's funny because mm-hmm. it's unexpected. That that's what humour is. The best humour is unexpected. Uh, it, it's things out of context. It, it's surprise. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, was that surprising! Mm, two-year-old child swearing. It's had Absolutely almost a, hilarious. It's had almost a million hits on YouTube. Yeah, for the wrong reasons. I don't quite understand your attitude. I genuinely... Come on, Justin. You will come in today, yeah. five minutes past nine, you'll swagger <laughs> in, and you go, great video, guys. I love it. Of course, no, I couldn't say that no. on air. I, I just think it, it, it's highly embarrassing. I think, you know, everything that, that is wrong with our society right now is wow. in this video. A, the society, you know, A, the video's out there, so as yeah. a society, we're watching that. But yeah. B, um, we're talking about it. We're talking about wow. a two-year-old child yeah. swearing, and some people like you think... I think it's it's funny. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. She doesn't understand the power of that word. It's just obviously something that's thrown around. I just mm. think it's so it's, but, it's horrible. But no, no parent jumps in and say, "Wait, let's stop that." No, the first thing on their mind was, "Let's get this out there. Let's make our child famous." How wrong is that? Well, hang, no, 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 no. Hang on a second. Now I'm getting angry. Well, now. actually, that's Why been flagged on Facebook. This kid is now famous yeah, for that. Okay, yeah. but 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 no one posts a video online thinking, whoa, this is going to get a million hits. They'll be talking about this on BBC Local Radio. Mm, I, they do. I, 
Well, yeah, no, they don't. No, mate. they absolutely do. You can't, that's not an argument. Just contradicting nah, me. This to me looks like the sort of thing that's shared amongst friends. Yeah, it's just some friends have passed it around, and it's just it's caught the viral wind. But the other thing is, I don't share videos with people who can pass them on to other people. Not of my children. That's well, a whole other thing. I mean, I could be wrong. I, you probably I, are. No, I don't think I am. Well, you I, just I, said you could be. <laughs> could so be you're admitting wrong, that you might be. But, uh, and I'm saying I, you probably are. I, I'm convinced the parents are probably very proud about this video. Yeah. And they're very proud of the fact it's got a million hits. And, and people are talking about their two-year-old daughter being hilarious because she's swearing. Justin, how are you doing? Have you found any train spotters yet? That's been your other mission this morning. No, boss, leave it with me. Um, I'm convinced I will find you a train spotter at some point between now and Nine. I've got uh, one hour and 16 minutes to do it. Leave it with me, boss. <laughs> Spontaneous round of applause. Great Thank match, you. Josh. Cheers. Speak to you later. Bye-bye. He was good there, wasn't he? See, he Passionate. Does, he can do it if he tries. Um, Jade says, I'm 24 and I still don't swear in front of any member of my family. I remember when... I think it's disrespectful and for a two-year-old to swear like that's outrageous is even worse for the parents to think it's acceptable. It's not. I'd sworn a bit in front of my mum and then when I was 24 and I was doing stand-up comedy with my, my friend uh, and I were doing a, a show where the... Fin- a, a live show before we were on the telly I think and the finale of a show was a very, very filthy song that we'd written where we compared the sizes of, um, of each other's. Right. Okay. And it was called My It's Bigger Than Yours. Right. And my mum came to see this show and I was dreading it. I was dreading it, singing this filthy song in front of her. And we did it. And it's a funny, I mean, it's a childishly funny song. Uh, And at the end, I was like, what do you reckon, mum? Oh, I loved it. Oh, I love that dirty song at the end. It was brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, but it was in context. It wasn't like you were dropping the C-bomb at the dinner table. And I think that's the parent, the the lesson parents need to teach their children. It's that... Those words are out there. Yeah. There are certain places where it's not acceptable to use it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't swear in front of my grand, but I do remember that moment where you start slipping the mild swear words in in conversation with your parents because yeah. you think, well, I'm an adult now, I can. Yeah. My parents are still not impressed. 0845. Have you ever dropped the C-bomb in front of your parents? No way. Wow, really? No way. Wow. Uh, I might have done it quoting someone else, but I would, I would always do that thing where you kind of stifle it down. Okay, I nearly, I nearly asked you to demonstrate, but I, I don't think I should. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Okay, the, you can go and see the video on the Facebook page. A couple of things. Don't like the icebox challenge. I think it's uh, go on. What was that? Kelly's just told me something. Go I'm on. reading about the the young girl. Yeah. Um, the, it was the grandparents who filmed it. Oh wow, um, that's an extra dimension, isn't they, it? Yeah. They were shocked. And they said that they could have died when the top blurted out the swear word. Uh, the grandparents, are, I think, are 40, and her mum is Whoa! 19. Whoa! Whoa! Hang on a second, Jeremy Kyle. The grandparents are... Ha- you, did, you, sorry, did you say the grandparents are in their late 60s? No. 40? 40. They're younger than me, significantly younger than Catherine, and their grandparents... I think the grandmum is 40, her partner is 33, and he's who uploaded it to YouTube. OK, there we go. Keep and it classy. The grandchild... The grandparents of the, wow. the top. There's also a video on here of, of the top um, apologising. Well, yeah, you go, you see? Oh, it's all well. All well uh, ends well then. Oh, eight, four, there's a couple of things here. Oh, eight, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. The icebox challenge to one side, because I think it's bullying. I hate it. Two year old swearing. I, I don't approve of it, but I think it's funny. And uh, uh, you, as a grown-up adult, do you swear in front of your parents now? If you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, are there certain words that you still don't say in front of your parents? Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M1 southbound is still looking slow between Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. And the M25 clockwise now is heavy because of an accident just after Junction 16 for the M40. It was blocking the road, but it has now been moved to the hard shoulder. It is still heavy in the area there, though. Having a look on the speed sensors in Watford and the A411 Exchange Road is busy around Upton Road. And the A1 southbound into London is queuing at Stirling Corner. On the trains, there's delays of up to 15 minutes between London Euston and Watford Junction. That's because of a broken down train at Watford Junction. It's also causing delays on Virgin trains as well. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 7.47. The phones are getting busy. Now's an excellent time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. While you're calling, these are your headlines. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Foreign Office is coming to Luton to talk to smaller charities about providing aid to Syria. A man who said to rely on the companionship of his dog has been told to give up his pet if he's to be housed by Watford Council. And in football, the MK Dons are to face Bradford in the third round of the League Cup. Let's get the weather. Here's Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, a fair bit of cloud around still after last night's rain, but that should gradually clear to the east. And then we're left with a bright and largely dry day with some sunshine around in spells. Temperatures reaching 22 degrees Celsius. Now, we may see one or two showers in the late afternoon, early evening, but most of us should continue with a dry night with the clear spells and a bit of a southwesterly breeze picking up. Temperatures down to 13 degrees. So a bright start to tomorrow. Plenty more sunny spells, but and mostly dry as well. There are a handful of showers around. They're very light and very few and far between, though, so many of us will miss those altogether. Cloud will gradually build, though, through the day, although we'll probably still have some sunny spells in the afternoon, with highs of 20 degrees Celsius. Then some light patchy rain through the night on Friday night, which should clear by Saturday morning. And then Saturday, Sunday and Monday are all looking dry and bright with sunny spells and decent temperatures. That's your latest forecast. After a mixed week in the cup for some of our local teams. Doncaster are back in front. Well worked goal from the visitors. Still going to Foby. And Foby is in here. And scores! 4-0 MK Dons! It's time to turn attention back to the league. But Luton Town have come from two goals down here. And on Saturday we'll be with all our sides across the divisions. Watford host Huddersfield. MK Dons entertain Crawley. Luton are away at Shrewsbury. And Stevenage travel to Wimbledon. It's a beautifully all four games live in Three Counties Sports. Saturday from 2, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jane is in Aylesbury. Morning, Jane. Morning, Ian. What you got for us? Um, I would like to try and help this chap with the dog. Steve McMahon and Lionel? Yes. He's looking for a place to live, and um, Watford Borough Council won't. Basically, saying we can't find you anywhere with your dog. Get rid of the dog. I I can't bear people having to get rid of their animals because the council are so selfish. So you saying that Steve can, and Lionel can come and live with you? Yes. That's weird. Why? Well, I don't. <laughs> it's very. Gen- I'm, off- I'm offering. Yeah, right. Very, yeah. Um, if the if the council are willing to pay. For him to be at my house, oh. then I will, I will, 
I'll gladly help him. Uh, Jane, that's very kind of you. I don't quite know how, it, how um, the, it letting uh, works, but I, I'd imagine it's a little bit more complicated than perhaps yeah. you're hoping. Yeah. But that's very generous. What, what about, though, Jane? He's going to make himself homeless if he doesn't get rid of Lionel. That, is that not a little bit silly? No. If you love your animal, uh, the animal is anything that keeps you going... Um, if I listen, I've had Velvet, my cat, for thirteen years. Right, right, two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love, I love her. She's been through thick and thin. Yeah. If I was made homeless, though. Yeah. And someone said, and they said, like, we can find you somewhere. You're gonna have to get rid of Velvet. I would probably get rid of Velvet. And by that, I don't mean I'd, you know, stove her head in. I mean that I would find a, a family member or a, I would find someone that would love her yeah. and I would have an emotional goodbye and I would give, them, give her to somewhere where she could be well looked after. I understand that, but some people don't have that option. Jane, listen, I appreciate your, your wanting to help. I'm not quite sure, um, uh, you know, how it works in that situation, but... Um, kind of a to think of that. Very kind of a to think of that. But I would do... I would, if, you know, if, if I were going to be made homeless, slightly... Well, maybe... Is it different with cats? Possibly slightly in this instance. Because yeah, because Velvet say, jog on, fella, I'll go and find somewhere nice to live. <laughs> cats yeah. don't care. Dogs are different. I... Uh, no, I can't tell that story. Thank you. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now, uh, I was away when we uh, covered this story, but Justin handled it, and I, I uh, saw the um, the feedback on the internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the e- emails. Huge response. It seemed interest in this case has only grown. Jill Thompson uh, has launched a petition calling for an inquiry into the death of her brother. If you were listening last week when Justin was sitting, you remember this. Her brother was a, a diabetic former soldier from Stevenage who died in very sad circumstances. Jill, thanks for coming back. Jill, are you there? Yes, I'm oh, here. Hello, sorry. go on. Now, listen, sorry, I was away when you, you spoke to Justin last week, and so for those those people who may have missed it, just give us a, a little bit of background. Remind, remind us what happened to David. Well, my brother David, he was found dead in his flat on the 20th of July. He was just 59. Um, he was found... Um, he died from fatal diabetic ketoacidosis, which is he's type 1 diabetic. And what happened was he had his benefits stopped. He was on job seekers allowance. And um, he was found, he died alone, penniless and starving. He had six tea bags, I counted them in the cupboard, a tin of soup and an out-of-date tin of pilchards. His electric key had run out. And so he couldn't have stored any food or insulin anyway. Um, Also, there was a pile of CVs on the table not far from his body. Um, he was trying to look for work, you know, and um, this was all for missing one appointment. Jill, this was, this was July of this year, was it? No, it was July 2013. 2013, but it's, it's, it's still not that long ago in the great scheme of things. I can hear how, um, how painful it is for you. You must miss him terribly. I do. I mean, I did, I did wait till everything had been sorted. I, I wrote to um, all the local, the Stevenage constituencies, like the, um, the Labour lady, the um, MP for Stevenage, the Conservative gentleman, and the, the Den, and I wrote to the DWP. But I waited till after got, because obviously I had to wait for the autopsy and everything and get all the results, because I didn't actually get a death certificate, and it stated on the death certificate that he died from this fatal diabetic ketoacidosis and on the autopsy said there was no food in his stomach. So so the so the the, the reason that he died was because uh, 
he didn't have enough money to get any food. No. And he, he didn't have the electricity had gone, and he couldn't store his insulin. In the, he has to be kept in the fridge. Is that right? Apparently, yes. Okay. So you've got this petition, and I know you spoke to Justin about this last week. What, what is the peti- what What is the petition asking for? What are you trying to achieve with it, Jill? To hold an inquiry into the benefit sanctions that killed my brother, but it's it's in general to hold a, an inquiry into the sanctions because since I've launched this um, petition, we've now got 187,000 signatures. That's in the past four weeks. Blimey! And um, people have been sort of signing the petition and and saying that what hardships they've been going through, how they've been suffering. People have committed suicide and people have died. Um, and you and I, you think, Jill, that, that is because of uh, the, the changes that have been made to the benefit system uh, and the way they affect people? Well, yeah, well, it's not helping. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of it is very complex, especially for vulnerable people. It's a lot to go through. Well, they don't, um, make, they don't make it easy, do they? They don't make it easy. They have to go through it. And then when they're sanctioned, they have to go through all this again. And they get in a state. And I just don't think it helps. I think it's... For the sake of £71.70, which is what they stopped, mm. um, it states that my brother was on the on the minimum that he needed to live on anyway. Mm. He wasn't claiming other benefits. He was just claiming one allowance so why stop that if it's the minimum you must be or oh, maybe maybe you're not are you surprised by the uh, the number of signatures the amount of support this has got i must admit i, I didn't expect it because um i'm not surprised because i i do think these sanctions are, are very hard but i started off just i mean i got the letter from the pwp saying they were sorry for my brother because I actually contacted them and they said they would look into it mm. and they said as promised I've looked at the records we are we have concerned in our interaction with Mr Clapson during the time he was receiving benefits your brother did inform us of his diabetes and that he was insulin dependent however he assured us that he was in control I have found no errors made by on his claim or with the course of action we took with him in relation to his job seekers allowance gosh when you read something like that how does that make you feel well I walked the floor for night holding this letter and um, I just didn't know what to do so in the end I rang up the Stevenage advertiser which because I I lived in Stevenage I was brought up in Stevenage and that's where my brother died so I I woke up I rang up them and I spoke to this nice gentleman um, from the advertiser and he he actually listened to me and he, he sort of put the story out and it escalated from there and it's really gone, you know, into... Well, it's, it's taken... I think I think they say nowadays it's gone viral. It is, has. What, so you've got 187,000 signatures. What happens next, Jill? Uh, I am looking into it. I, I am not going to let this go because of this. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do when I started off, but I've been, um, I've been in... In many, in uh, a few papers, the Advertiser, the Daily Mirror, the Guardian. Um, I've been on ITV Anglia, ITV London. I've also been on your radio show and BBC Live. And um, BBC Look East and BBC London are going to contact me. I will do whatever. Jill, I will... 
can, can you keep in touch with us and maybe we'll speak to you in a week or a couple of weeks and just see how things are progressing? Yeah, can I just say as well, I, I, I mean, they issued 874,000 sanctions mm. by September 2013. And I just want to say thank you to all those people that have supported me, um, that have um, written in and even told their stories. If people, um, if people want to sign the petition, Jill, where, how do they find it? It's um, www.change.org yep. stroke benefit sanctions. Okay. Well, you, uh, uh, you, you don't need me to say this, but I'm sure David will be very proud of you for all the work you're doing. And uh, it, it, uh, we'll speak very, very soon, Jill. Yeah, all I want is this suffering to stop. I don't want anyone else to die. And, you know, it would be nice to get more signatures. The more we get, the more we can... I will even go to Parliament and the House of Commons with a petition and stand outside with it till someone sees me. Just to stop this from happening to someone else. That's what I want. Jill... I wish you the best of luck. We'll speak to you soon, and thanks very much for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Gosh. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's looking heavy on the A1M southbound between Junction 8 for Stevenage North and Junction 7 for Stevenage South. On the M1 southbound, it's slow between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and the M1 Junction 10 for Luton Airport Spur Road. On the M25, it's also looking heavy between Junction 21 for the M1 and Junction 18 for Chorleywood. And further into London, the A1 southbound at Borehamwood is queuing at Stirling Corner. Having a look at the trains, and there are 50-minute delays at, through on all services through Watford Junction. That's because of a broken down train there. It's affecting London Midlands, Virgin Trains and Southern Services. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. What a brave woman. Jill Thompson there. Um, obviously very emotional, talking about her brother David and the petition. Thank you for that, Jill. Coming up, two-year-old swearing. And can we find a train spotter, please? Here's the news with Jane. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. The Foreign Office is in Luton to talk to smaller charities about Syria. A Watford man told to give up his dog to find council accommodation and a panda has faked a pregnancy to get special treats. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Foreign Office will be in Luton today to encourage smaller charities to work with the government to provide aid for Syria. The event at the Carnival Arts Centre aims to discuss what more communities and the government can do to help in Syria. Safian Sadiq from Luton, who's raised money for Syria and been out there to provide aid, agrees that people should work and train with recognised charities. The problem is some people are going out there and perhaps it's the, not the most effective use of their time uh, out there because they're not skilled in this stuff. They've not been out into a war zone before. It is very difficult. It is challenging. So it's not for everyone, I agree. But to say to people that you can't go, I don't think that's the right solution either. A man from Watford says he can't bear to leave his dog in order for the council to find him somewhere to live. Steve McMahon can't work after an industrial accident and needs somewhere to live, but Watford Borough Council says he'll need to give up his dog. He told Ian Lee his dog Lionel is a lifeline. He's not only a pet, 
and my best friend, he's also a physiotherapy doc. Without him, I wouldn't go out walking three times a day. I wouldn't be able to move around. Quite frankly, I should actually be, be in a wheelchair, but with, with the fact that uh, I, I get up and walk three times a day is what's um, keeping me active. Bedfordshire police say a woman from Houghton Regis had a lucky escape after her ground floor flat was deliberately set on fire. The attack took place on Sunday afternoon when someone started the fire on her balcony. The woman, who was sleeping in her living room at the time, managed to put out the blaze. South Yorkshire's Police and Crime Commissioner Sean Wright has resigned from the Labour Party after the party threatened to suspend him over a damning report into child sex abuse in Rotherham, but Mr Wright says he will not step down as Commissioner. Researchers say three-quarters of cancer patients who are clinically depressed do not get the help they need. They say trials where patients were given much more targeted treatment for depression had better results than those who had normal care. Experts believe a giant panda in China may have faked her pregnancy to get extra cakes. Charlotte Gallagher reports. The panda, called Ai Hin, had shown signs of pregnancy, including a reduced appetite and a surge in hormones at a breeding research centre in Sichuan province, but then her behaviour returned to normal. Panda mums-to-be get moved into air-conditioned rooms and are given treats such as fruit, buns and extra bamboo. One of the experts at the centre said the more intelligent bears had noticed this special treatment and used it to their advantage to improve the quality of their life. In football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United this week. The weather, patchy rain clearing to become mostly dry with sunny spells and a high of 22 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Well, it's at the moment a thriving town. It's, it's certainly on the up. All this week, we're featuring Aylesbury. People friendly, nice little markets. Yeah, I've just lived here all my life. I wouldn't live anywhere else. It's all about where you live. The bell came from the old friary, which gives the name to the Friars Square in Aylesbury. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wee Willy Wonky. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly, it's nearly five minutes past eight. It's it's flown by this morning. Lots to talk about. Um, lots for you to have your say. You're having a, a, a little bit of a Barney on Facebook at the moment. We've posted a, a clip of a two-year-old having the ice bucket challenge done. Now, not a fan of the ice bucket challenge. I think it's charity bullying really the point about this. At the end of it, the two-year-old girl gets up, runs off and drops the F-bomb. Quite casually. And in context. And in context. She knows what she's saying. I think it's funny. Oh, I think it's horrible. I, I would hate my. I would hate it to be my kids. I'd be ashamed to death, wouldn't you? Because the suggestion is that they hear it all the time. Yep. And oh. surely there are certain things that you al- you allow your children to be children. They don't need to hear that stuff. 08459 four double five five double five. Funny or outrageous? Also, there's a disabled gentleman. As um, well, he's he's hoping to be honed by Watford Borough Council. They said, yeah, 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 we'll find you somewhere. Got to get rid of the dog. He's prepared to go homeless rather than get rid of the dog. What do you think? Is he being a little bit silly, or would you feel the same? 
had train spotters. The first train spotter, it turns out, was a 14-year-old girl called Fanny. There was a young girl called Fanny. No. Her surname was Johnson. There we go, yes. Uh, can we, we're trying to get into the mind, and we've, we've had it pointed out to us on Twitter that there are also bus spotters and plane spotters and truck spotters. What are they going to do with the list? Well, I, I, I don't... This is what we need. We need someone to call us up. Can we, there must be, like, a train-spotting organisation. Can we try and find someone before nine and get them on? Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. Scoins would have done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three hey, Counties Radio. maybe if Scoins is listening, Scoins can get us a guess. Maybe if Paul Scoins is listening now, he can get us a guess. Oh, he's out with his notepad, his binoculars. <laughs> He looks the sort, doesn't he? There is a stereotypical image of, of a train spotter and a plane spotter, isn't there? Someone in a Mac who um, has got little bits of uh, tissue paper on their chin where they've cut themselves <laughs> shaving, uh, glasses, greasy hair. Tank top. And tank top and no wedding ring. If that's you, call me now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Oh well, yeah, I was listening to what you were saying about train spotters. We're not all nerdy geeks, you know. I think that's quite rude of you. That's what they sound like, isn't it? I don't know. Prove me wrong. Maybe there's like a really hot 23-year-old Swedish woman train spotter who does it in lingerie. Ingrid, if you're listening, call me now. Or there's like a really buff 29-year-old male model who does modelling for Topshop who's a train spotter. Marco, if you're listening, call me now. 08459 555555. Now, government officials will visit Luton today to explain how the UK has spent £600 million helping the people of Syria. They're encouraging small local fundraisers to meet them at the UK Centre for Carnival Arts to work out how they can combine their efforts. Well, Anthony Gleese is Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Morning, Anthony. Good morning. Why would the Foreign Office be keen to see uh, charitable organisations giving money through them? Well, I think what the government wants to ensure is that the aid that British people want to give to Syria, the aid that the British people have already given through our government, the £600 million you're talking about, that that aid does not go to terrorist groups. Uh, By looking at it in this way, the government hopes to convince people who want to do something to relieve the appalling situation in Iraq and and northern Syria, not to put the money into the hands of the Islamic State, because they know that this money will be used to help these appalling butchers carry out their work even more successfully. And that's a message that's a very important message to give to all British Muslims who may want to contribute something at this time. Or, or people who are non-Muslim, of course, who, who are, are, are shocked by the images they're seeing, and they may see someone shaking a bucket in their high street that says, you know, helping Syria, and they put a couple of quid in. How do we know if, the, if, if you know, how do we know which are the good charities and which are the bad ones that are sending the money to the people we don't want it to, to go to? Well, the short answer to your question is that we don't know, and that's the problem. We don't know. Indeed, you know, even as we talk, the Charities Commission are looking very carefully at the very large number of charities that exist to funnel to Syria and Iraq because you have charitable status that 
generates many tax advantages, but at the same time, some of these so-called charities not only send the money to the jihadists, but they also promote uh, jihadist extremist speakers in the United Kingdom, uh, enabling them to go around colleges, universities, schools, but also to collect money. They pay for them to collect money on British streets. So at the moment, we're not quite sure who is who. If you give money, put money into a bucket in, in the center of town, it may be a perfectly legitimate cause you're contributing to, but you may be helping fund these mur- murderous thugs in Iraq and Syria. So you should be very careful. We spoke to one fundraiser uh, uh, from Luton who doesn't like to see um, charity, doesn't like the politicising of charity. And, and that's, that's a fair objection, isn't it? Well, there are some charities that are uh, definitely not political. Médecins Sans Frontières, for example, the very fine people. Oxfam has a, a certain kind of political tinge to it from time to time, but it's a very long established charity. There are other people claiming to be charities, claiming to uh, want to help children and, and so forth, whether it's in Syria or in in Gaza. These people, we cannot be sure who they are, who they represent, to whom they pass them. What's more, the government isn't sure either, which, it is, which is why it's trying to convince people to give to mainstream charities. Who is, who, is, who is the government hoping will turn up today at this meeting, Anthony? Is it, looking, is it hoping that charities will turn up? Because if it is, then only the, in inverted commas, good charities will turn up anyway. The, the dodgepots will still carry on doing what they're doing. I think the dodgepots will keep as far away as they possibly can from anything to do with the government, anything to do with local government, anything to do with police or, or you know, prevent uh, police officers and so on. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. On the other hand, we live in a democracy. We try and change people's minds and thinking by talking to them and presenting them with the facts. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock the authorities for wanting to do that. Uh, on a deeper level, though, the way these matters will be dealt with is by the uh, National Crime Agency following the money. The money will be paid. It will then be followed. And certainly, if the money does go to jihadist groups, every effort will be made to take the money off the couriers uh, transporting it. Just a few days ago, we saw somebody convicted, a, a, a single individual be, uh, convicted of sending 20,000 euros mm. to the jihadists. A, a small incident, but doubtless one of many. And where individuals are doing this, you may be sure that organisations are doing it. But equally, they should be sure that the National Crime Agency will be following them closely. Bottom line, though, give, if you want to give apolitically, give to Médecins Sans Frontières. These are the doctors who risk life and limb to alleviate the suffering of people on the ground. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't have any, any part in that charity myself, but I think they're very, very fine people. Or Oxfam. No need, if it, particularly if you don't want to be political, stay out of anything that could help these murderous butchering hordes 
in Iraq and Syria at the present time. Anthony, I appreciate your uh, insight into that. Thank you very much indeed. Anthony Gleese, Director of Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. I want a long title. I want a long title. I saw, when I used to live in North London, there was this old boy who would uh, collect outside um, um, Sainsbury's, let's yes. say it was. And uh, he would shake a bucket and he, was coll- he would ask for money. He was collecting for, um, uh, th- he wanted to raise money to abolish capitalism. Uh, he-, he was raising money. There's a flaw in that, isn't there? I know! And I'd say to him, I'd say, hang on, you want to get rid of capitalism, but why are you collecting money? Well, I need to fund it. How much? Uh... <laughs> and he, 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 um, he, had, like, po- he would sell poems and stuff. They were rubbish. Hang on, so he's selling art. <laughs> well, he wasn't selling it. He, he would, he, it, it, it was he's an encouragement, it was an incitement. bartering art for money. Yeah. Selling art. To get rid of capitalism. Uh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. You're not allowed, if you've got a bucket, you're not allowed to shake the bucket no. anymore. Can you point at it? Yeah, you're allowed to point at it, um, but you're not allowed to shake the bucket anymore. There must be a way around that. What if you're wearing it? What? And... And what? you jump. How can you wear a bucket? I'm just thinking a way around it, because someone holding a bucket is not going to be that much of an attention grabber. Yeah. I don't mind a bucket shake. I don't like it when it's um, straight outside the supermarket. Sometimes inside the supermarket. Oh, yeah. And I, I also don't like it when it's bing bong and you open it and it's on your doorstep. When we were in Greece, right, we saw one of them ghost men. You know, the, the men dressed in white, painted white, and they stood still. Don't like them. I don't like them normally, but I was with the boys and they said, oh, look, Daddy, a ghost. I got harassed by one. What, what how? He was, dress- he was just as power- an imp, this one. Yeah. Sneaked up behind me. Oh. And I made the noise that you really make if you're really frightened. Yeah. All this screaming in horror films, nonsense. Yeah. I went... Because I was taking a picture and then I realised he was over my shoulder and he went, lovely, innit? Lovely. And I went, ah... That's the real noise of horror. I don't like those people, but we're the boys, and they went, oh, look, Daddy, a ghost. And I said, oh, well, let's, let's put a euro. You, you take a euro each, boys, and put them in. Let's see what happens. Go, go and do this and see what happens. And they're, they're creeping up to him and oh, scary. a bit nervous. <clears throat> and they, they put the money in the thing and they ran away. And all he did was raise his thumb. He put his thumb up. Well, that, that cost me two euros. That can't be the punchline. That's not an act. You're standing there all day and that's all you do. I could wear a sheet and paint my face white if you're going to get... But two euros in his pot and he put his thumbs up. Maybe you would have done more for three. Yeah, yeah, probably. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1M southbound is looking heavy between Junction 8 for Stevenage North and 7 for Stevenage South. And the M1 southbound is also slow between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and the M1 Junction 10 for the Luton Spur Road. In Weedon, the Bucks County show is on today, so expect it to be extra busy on the A413. And in Wellham Green on Great North Road, there's reports of an accident and the road is blocked there, involving two vehicles around Dixon's Hill, so there could be some delays around there. On the trains, London Midland Services, Virgin Trains and Southern Trains all have delays of up to 15 minutes because of a broken down train at Watford Junction and there's no estimate at the moment for when it will be back to normal. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. 8.17, it's Thursday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Smaller charities in Luton are being asked to work with the government in providing aid for Syria. A man in Watford has been told he'll, he'll have to give up his dog if the council is to find him accommodation. And the Police and Crime Commissioner for South Yorkshire is refusing to quit, even though he's had to leave the Labour Party. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Every weekday morning from nine, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Lots to discuss. Do you agree with her? Do you think she speaks a lot of sense? With the biggest questions. Should Muslim women be allowed to wear the veil in court? And is it fair to only give people this kind of benefit for three months? And the biggest opinions. I'd like to hear from you. I feel strongly because... Children should be taught in a structured way. You know, there's nothing better in life than real-life experience. Don't be patronising. Excuse me, I'm talking sorry. There's two words here. Common sense. When I'm pet hate, I feel really strongly about it. We're talking about that. I agree with you. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Seriously, we take my mum to um, see uh, various musicals in the West End. We're going to go and see the Kinks musical in, uh, in October, and we've been to see Jersey Boys and things like that. Because she's in a wheelchair. Here's a little tip for you guys, although I'm not suggesting you do it, but... Quite often, London's London's West End. London's West End. If you if you're a carer with a wheelchair, someone in a wheelchair, the carer goes free, or sometimes half price. Don't give people an idea. Well, I'm just I'm just no. What I'm saying is, it'll be like Lou and Andy all over the West End. What I'm saying is, if you've got maybe some, you have a friend or a relative in a in a wheelchair, or someone you don't like that much, but it might be worth taking along to the theatre. <laughs> you do not say, Kath. What are you doing Saturday? Yeah, exactly. I'm, well, and I've got a spare wheelchair. Mum, there's one that Mum don't use. Are you suggesting? No. Are you suggesting yes. to people listening to this program they should just find someone in a wheelchair and drag them off to the West End so they get in free? Oh, drag them out. Take them out to we- London's glittering West End. You won't be dragging them. You, you push them. You don't drag them. You push them. It's the big society. We're all being told we should do more for our neighbours and the elderly and the infirm. We'll take them to the theatre and get a free theatre ticket. Win, win, win. They pay, for, they pay for theirs. At the most, you're paying half price. And you get right. treated like royalty. Oh, good. Oh, you get people coming in to check on you, and they get people coming in the interval and offer to, to go and get you drink. Wonderful. Can I just um, say something? Yeah. This was all a joke. Put away your poisoned quills, dear listener, for goodness <clears throat> sake. Oh, do you think there'll be complaints about that? No, there won't, but someone will make people... Anyway. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, it's definitely worth doing. Okay. If you've got what? No. Well, the, I, re- the reason I'm saying it is maybe you've got a, a friend or a relative who's in a wheelchair and you're reluctant to take them to the theatre because you think it'll be tricky and it'll be expensive. It won't be. You'll save a few quid and they treat you like royalty. Right. So d- don't so, but, hold but, back. But next time I go to or fancy a night out, I shouldn't just walk the streets of London, find someone in a wheelchair and say, "Do you fancy coming to see the Lion King with me tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> Can no, you imagine? I, I, <laughs> Can I borrow you? Can I borrow... No, we're not condoning that. For it's just sakes. a joke. It's a joke. What's on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine, is it reasonable for councils to say, give up your pets or you won't get housed? I've been interested in this story you've been talking mm. about this morning. A Watford man with a chronic back problem has been told he won't be housed by, by the council unless he gives up his pet dog. Ill health forced Steve McMahon to give up his job and now he's been served with an eviction notice from his landlord that could put him onto the streets as early as next week. Mm. Neighbours say Steve's dog, Lionel, is the only thing that's keeping him going through this tough period in his life, and giving him up would destroy him. But from nine this morning, what do you think of the council's stance? Is it reasonable for councils to say, give up your pets or you won't get housed? I'd like your calls from nine on 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
right, Boyle? Yeah, fine. We've got loads of taxis. Oh, should we, should we do a little catch up on the taxis? Yeah, let's. Then we'll, yes, OK. Um, Caroline, woman after my own heart. Catherine's right. If they put money in their pockets instead of a bucket and then jumped up and down like a Morris man, they jingle. You get around the no shaking buckets rule. Uh, thanks, oh, Caroline. Okay, yes. Um, and maybe you can get around the rule by re- playing a recording of a bucket being shaken, <laughs> says Andrew in That's, High Wickham. That is genius. That is genius. I like that a lot. That is genius. And this is one about swearing. Uh, this is from Helen in Flittick, who I probably went to school with. Uh, I'm a woman of 36 and I never swear in front of or at my parents. I'm still horrified oh. from an accidental text I sent my mum a few years ago. Oh, we're intrigued. Oh, really? I received a joke text with swearing in it. I sent it on to certain people thinking carefully who I could send such a joke to. And I read through it, making sure I'd taken out every swear word before sending it to my mum. Next thing, I get a text back from my mum saying, Helen, that's rude. I'm your mother. I wondered why she'd taken such offence as I'd taken every swear word out. I checked through my sent messages and was horrified. I left one word in, which was the ultimate C word. I'm still disgusted with myself now and hardly bear myself to mention it again with my mum. We're a family who don't swear at all, so to send her that particular word still haunts me. Arg, with lots of A's and lots of G's and lots of H's, says Helen Implicit. I once, <clears throat> long time ago, sent um, uh, a friendly text. Oh no. To my sister. <laughs> How friendly. Very, very friendly. It was, it was, yeah, wow. I mean, it was. Well, that kind of serves you right, to it was be fair. Very friendly. I sent, it, I sent it to my sister. And it was on the iPhone. You know, on the iPhone, you can, you've got a little bar, it goes across as it's sending. And I saw it, I was going, oh, no, 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 my life is over. And I had to immediately say, I'm really sorry, that wasn't, that wasn't meant for you, that was meant for my girlfriend, I'm really sorry. Should I not? As I'm sure the response. I once sent Ooh. a message that was only meant for my boyfriend and should only be read by him. Yeah. Friendly? To was it friendly? Very friendly. <laughs> friendly text? To a producer of a show at Radio 1. Oh! Hey, you've been doing a lot of work at Radio 1 recently. Probably not anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm not thinking it might have paid off. <laughs> I prefer to say all my friendly stuff in person. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy, did I learn my, uh, my lesson. Frexting, I think they call it. Friendly texting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How's yeah. the relationship with your sister now? We, we, we're, we're seeking mediation <laughs> <laughs> to work through it. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Your face then, you thought I'd done another weak ankles. <laughs> I hadn't. I'd worked out in my head that it was fine. Uh, we've been talking this morning about Steve McMahon, who uh, is the, the gentleman who uh, injured his back. He was a gas fitter, and he injured his back doing what we've all seen gas men do, getting to the boiler, and it's in a bit of a cupboard, and he's got to get on his knees and kind of t- twist and get round the back. And he, he put his back out. He didn't just put his back out. He seriously injured himself. He's being made... He's being evicted. Uh, he, he can't work because he's in so much pain. He's on a lot of medication. And... Um, Watford Borough Council can find him a place to live, but he'd have to get rid of Lionel. Who's Lionel? The dog. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Well, Martin is uh, on the line. Martin, you're a friend of uh, Steve's, are you? Uh, yes, I'm the person who actually raised the petition for Watford Borough Council on his behalf just to show support from a number of people who know Steve, just to show that he has a lot of support and what a valuable member of the community he is. How important is Lionel to Steve? Because there, there will be people listening who'll say, oh, just ditch the dog. 
Yeah, I, I heard what you said earlier on. I was listening. And uh, to be honest, I, I realise it's your job to be provocative. Sorry? Um, I realise it's your job to be provocative. What, what, what did I... Martin, just, 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 just tread <laughs> carefully, because what did I say that was provocative? What you said was that if it was you, you would just get rid of the dog and... No, I didn't say that, Martin, at all. Um, well, that's the way it came across. No, it, Martin, uh, listen, I'm going to go gently on you, because you're a friend of Steve's, but you've completely... If that's what came across, then you've completely misunderstood what I was saying. Completely. <laughs> well, Lee... Okay, that's how I understood it. Well, you've, uh, with the greater respect, sir, you have, you have completely misunderstood my intention. And I don't know if you heard the interview with Steve? Uh, yes, I did earlier on. That's what made me ring, to be honest. Okay, it's, well, I don't know where um, you got that from, Martin, because that's, that's not what I said. But, anyway, I, I thought you wanted to hear about my relationship with well, Steve. Well, yeah, I did want to hear about your relationship with Steve, but I also feel that if my name has been slurred, I have the right to, to, to um, clear that up. So, okay, I've cleared it up. Away you go. Uh, I'm glad if you don't think like that, to be frank, so surely we're all happy now. Um, Well. But it's, uh, anyway, I I think going back to sort of uh, why I rang in, there's an element to this. I mean, I I raised the petition in support of Steve because there is a lot of local support for him. Um, And he is reliant on his dog. I mean, obviously, his life has gone downhill seriously over the last uh, few years. Um, and there are a lot of people are concerned about his current predicament. So we raised the petition because I happened to know the mayor. I, I, because my son was killed in Afghanistan, I do a lot of work for military charities, and Steve's one of the stalwarts who supports what I do uh, in, when he's able to. Um, so, I mean, I know him as a friend, and he's become a good friend over the last few years. Uh, so I'm more than happy to try and support him and use any contacts I've got and what to was, what was, sort of help him. what has the Mayor Dorothy Thornhill said? Is she, is she able to help? Uh, in fairness to Watford Borough Council, what they've said is they want to try and help Steve, but they are very much restricted by caps on housing benefit, which restricts what they can spend on uh, property. They have no property of their own. They rely on private rented property, uh, probably in common with a lot of councils. And they're being outbid on uh, local properties that are available. So what needs needs to change, Martin? um, What needs to change is uh, hopefully there might be somebody listening who can help Steve, practically. Steve values his independence. I mean, I think that's one thing you've got to appreciate, that Steve is not necessarily looking for um, just a a bedsit or something like that. He's actually been very independent and he's managed to survive. And he's also sort of been important to Lionel, who I think they're they're mutually dependent on each other. Um, And I think I heard you say earlier on that uh, you're a pet owner. So you probably understand the importance of pets to people emotionally. But Steve actually needs his dog more than most people need their pets because his dog is therapeutic to him. I think you had somebody on earlier on talking about the benefits of uh, the therapy that pets provide people who have got problems in life. 
Martin, listen, I, I appreciate your time. I'm, I'm sorry that you misunderstood my intent, uh, and, and you have completely misunderstood uh, uh, my intent earlier on, but I'm glad we managed to clear that up. And um, as I say, we're going to keep in touch with uh, with Steve and find out what happens there. It's a very, very sad story. 08459 555. 8.30, let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Wellham Green, just in between Hatfield and Potter's Bar, there's been an accident and both the road is blocked there in both directions around Dixon's Hill. It's queuing as well and it's affecting people travelling towards uh, towards the uh, on the M- A1M is slow southbound between Junction 9 for Letchworth and Junction 7 for Stevenage South on the speed sensors and in we- Whedon it's starting to get heavy now um, on the in both directions around New Road for people heading towards the Bucks County show. In Chalfont St Peter the A413 Amersham Road is slow southbound at Misbourne Avenue towards the A40 and on the M25 anti-clockwise it's heavy between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and Junction 15 for the M4. Having a look at the trains and London Midland Virgin trains and Southern services are being delayed through Watford Junction because of a broken down train there and there's no estimate at the moment when it will be back to normal. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts, and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30. I'm Jane Killick. The Foreign Office will be in Luton today to encourage smaller charities to work with the government to provide aid for Syria. The event at the Carnival Arts Centre aims to discuss what more communities in the government can do to help in Syria. A man from Watford looking to be housed by the council has been told he must give up his dog. Friends of Steve McMahon say the dog is the only thing that keeps him going, but Watford Borough Council can't find him accommodation which allows pets. Three armed robbers escaped with cash from a bookies in Wolverton in Milton Keynes yesterday afternoon. One man is believed to be armed with a gun and another with a knife when they went into Betfred in Church Street. The weather, early rain, then sunny intervals with a high of 22 Celsius. On to sport and in football, MK Dons have been drawn at home to Bradford in the League Cup third round. It follows their 4-0 win over Manchester United on Tuesday. The tie will be played in four weeks' time. Bradford beat Leeds last night. Also in the League Cup, QPR's poor start to the season continued as League Two side Burton Albion knocked them out in the second round. Aston Villa also lost 1-0 at home to Leighton Orient. Watford captain Troy Deeney has signed a new four-year contract at Vicarage Road, ending speculation about his future. The club's top scorer last season had been subject to transfer rumours since the summer. Premier League clubs are reported to have made offers for the striker. He's already scored two goals this season. Arsenal will play Champions League football for the 17th successive season but be, will be without striker Olivier Giroud until the new year. In the absence of the Frenchman, Arsenal beat Bershiktas 1-0 in their qualifier. New signing Alexis Sanchez with the goal in the first half injury time. Manager Arsene Wenger confirmed Giroud's had a surgery on broken leg and won't be available for a while. He will be out for three to four months on the competition side. That means he will be capable to play again in the Premier League certainly end of December because he will be out for two months the time he comes back uh, so that goes three to four months you will ask me straight away who will we buy I give you straight away the answer at the moment nobody BBC Three Counties News and Sport the next bulletin is at nine We Willy Wonky call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio have you read my mind Sorry? 
Well, I've just sent a text through. Oh, go on. Fortunately, this one was to us. Uh, hi, Ian. My husband once sent a photo of his... Oh, To his dad, oh. by mistake. <laughs> we're to- why are we talking about Says this? Anon. Oh, we were just talking about um, swearing in front of your parents, unintentionally shocking your parents with things you've sent via text. And then we got on to frexting, which is when you send friendly texts to people. Texts. But they can't... We've... we've uh, well, uh, um, sorry, what, uh, what the young lady at the name? I've completely forgotten her name. Kelly. Kelly. I completely forgot your name, uh, Kelly. Kelly and I have had... Uh, 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 moments in our life when we have sent friendly text, we have frexted to different people. But yeah, not to different. But they've ended up in the wrong hands. You've you've sent uh, something very friendly to a, uh, an influential producer. I've sent something way too friendly to send to my sister. My sister got it. The text. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, did I! I died. In, a little bit of me died that night. Let that be a lesson to you. Keep your friendships old school. <laughs> what? How did you mix those two up? Ah. Huh? How did you mix those two? I was having two conversations at once! Oh, no, that's oh, wrong. That's hang on. So you, oh, no, hang on. That's weird. Oh, that makes everyone feel dirty. <laughs> there are no you winners fan- in this story. You fancy your sister. Whoa, no! Hey, whoa! Oh. Whoa! Right, uh, subject changing <laughs> Yes, time. please. Uh, oh, bus, the, the bus spotting. Stephen Stevenage. Hi, hi, and I thought I'd uh, be the person to confess that I was a bus spotter once. No, uh, the train spotting, I can sort of understand a little bit. Bus spotting, I don't get. What, what, what was the buzz of it? Right, well, the weird thing was that uh, when I went to senior school back in uh, 73, um, everybody in my class seemed to get the bug of bus spotting. And I thought, well, what's all this about? And um, found that there were books you could buy, um, published by Ian Allen and uh, Capital Transport. And in them, they would list all of the uh, buses in the London Transport, London country area. And um, so me and a group of mates would go out, uh, perhaps at the weekends, we'd get a, a Red Rover or Green Rover, uh, travel out as far as Luton. Uh, I, I lived in uh, Edmonton at the time. Yeah. So I travelled. So that was that was genuinely quite an epic journey for for a young oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Because you, you'd have to get on about three or four buses to, to get there. You know. And you'd have to spend uh, a whole day planning your routes and things like that because you might get to Luton, but then you'd say, okay, how do I get from Luton to St Albans, and then to Hemel Hempstead, uh, then out to Amersham, and then from Amersham you might say, okay, that's going to be about enough time for me to get back home again. Sort yeah. Of thing, you know. Yeah. So we'd do that. Um, we'd. And then when, when you got there, what would you do? What you sat there with a pad and just wrote down what number plates? No, no. My my, my aim was to get into the bus garages. So Luton had a, a London Transport bus garage at the time, sort of thing. So I'd get into the bus garage um, or and go around. You'd have to ask uh, the um, foreman of the garage to go around. Most times they said no, but on Sundays they tended to always say yes. So uh, we we learnt in the end to go out on Sundays and do this and, Steve? and make holidays. Steve. Yeah? Um, What's the fun part of this? The fun part? Well, the fun part... <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you take down all your numbers... Sometimes and you get you, the numbers wrong. No, 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 no. You, you, you're very careful in taking numbers down. Yeah. You then underline them in your book, sort oh. of thing. Why would you underline and, them? Right. It's so that when you went back to class, um, uh, you know, when you went back to class, you would then sort of... Uh, uh, compare with your mates as to whether you were the first to see all the buses of a different type. Because each bus in London Transport would have a, a yeah. different uh, make and different letters. So you'd have RTs, RMs, the route master. Yeah. Um, Steve? RTLs, yeah. Where's the fun part in this? <laughs> uh, you see, now this, this is the thing. Um, people say, well, what did you see in it? But uh, it's the same as anybody collecting. You know, um, I, I don't know about uh, you, Kath, but you, you might collect, um, I, I don't know, uh, uh, China ornaments or something like that. Uh, She's got great knickknacks. 
Actually, right, excellent. <laughs> I, I might actually say, well, where do you find the fun in that? You know, uh, and it's, I think it's just a personal thing. Mm. Um, they, they did align um, bus spotting and train spotting uh, with the autism gene a few oh. years ago. So are you um, autistic? No, no, oh. but I, I am a little bit OCD. Right. Um, like things in order, and that's uh, probably why I do the job. It's funny, because I, I did say earlier on, and, and it, was, it was slightly flippantly, but I, did, I was saying it with a grain of a weight of truth in there, that maybe some of these people who do this, you know, the bus spotting and the train, that they are on a spectrum somewhere. That, you know, they are, they're, yeah. they're, they're, there might be a vague hint of, um, I don't know, Asperger's or autism or something. I, th- I think you're quite right there. I mean, there, there are some... I mean, I, I used to go out to some of the bus rallies and you'd meet people that were clearly uh, in that sort of spectrum. And, Wait, Steve, uh, where, at what point did you decide to to stop doing this and, and, and get a life? <laughs> Basically, I, I uh, moved out of Edmonton to Hartford and uh, uh, sort of really, really uh, sort of uh, being an adult, you know, you sort of go out of your teenage years and... Yeah. Uh, you become an adult. I mean, I was a very healthy teenager. I had a, I had a, a long-term girlfriend. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting to pick up on that bit. So yeah. you're telling me that sometimes you're not standing by the side of the road and a bus goes past and you don't reach for your pad? No, 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 no. I, I, I keep my, my bus spotting in, in, in balance. I mean, I still go to uh, bus rallies. There was one in uh, uh, Finsbury Park a few weeks back. What's and, a bus uh, rally? Just loads of buses in Finsbury Park. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one in Finchley Park where there's, uh, I think, about 200 route masters because it's uh, 60 years of the route master this year. And uh, they're all lined up. I'm still, um, I'm still hearing from you, Steve, and I really yeah. appreciate your call. You've been very brave to call. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm still <laughs> hearing that there's still a little bit... You get... There's, a, there's still a passion for buses within you. There, there is, because on that occasion, um, there was... Uh, RM2 had been uh, um, remodelled in its original guise, you know, so it had been... Uh, um, rebuilt, and everybody wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. Well, not, not right. everyone. Well, we're talking the RM2, Ian. Don't well, mess, yeah. don't, not playing games here. <laughs> no, that's right. RM2, Steve, are you married yeah. now? Have you got family? I'm married. I haven't got family. Sadly, we, we weren't allowed, or we couldn't have kids. We weren't allowed. Well, I'm sorry I, to hear I, that, I, Steve. What I, is, weren't allowed. Yeah, what, what, is your, what does your missus say? Is she just glad to get rid of you, or does she come along? Uh, sometimes she's come to bus rallies, but wow. uh, she tends to, tends to sit down at the coffee uh, bar and yeah. sort of uh, drink coffee. Steve, and, uh, I can tell you something. That woman really loves you. She yeah, I know really she does. Well, she does because um, on my 50th birthday, she hired a double-decker bus, an RTL, um, and got, got all of my friends to turn up, and we went for a ride down half Steve, you're a legend, mate. Oh, I was going to get Steve going then. No, he's, did you, you hear it? For, he, he for my it? wedding, we had a, a vintage 1969 Wigan Corporation <laughs> bus to take the uh, relatives from the church to the do. Steve, I love that. Steve is a le- I love the way he'd say double-decker bus, then he'd, he'd specify what kind of bus it was, as if we'd know. As if we know. Makes a difference. Oh, Steve, thank you, mate. I was brave of him to call up and admit that, because, you know, people do... Do you know what? You don't have to justify your hobbies to anyone. No. It's just someone... Some hobbies I just don't get. There's some people I don't get. That doesn't make them not fascinating. Well, some of them are quite dull. Dave Luton's (laughs) on the line. Morning, Dave. Morning. I tell you what what amazes me, Dave. Yeah. That your last name is Luton. (laughs) Oh, shit. And you live in Luton. That is yeah. nuts. It's like Joey Essex, isn't it? No. Yeah. If you moved yeah. to Stevenage, would you change your name? <laughs> no, to, listen. To Steve Dave, Luton. Listen, it's Dave from Luton. So okay, your middle, your middle name is from as well. It just That's gets amazing. better and better. Yeah. I'll get better with you in a minute. All right. Oh, cheeky. Have you ever frexted? No. Oh, you no. sound really disappointed now. No. I'm talking... I'm going to talk about transporting. This is years ago. Yep. When I was a little boy. Yep. I was a train spotter. 
do you know what I love about this? Both of you have come on and to kind of say, yeah, I used to do it, but I'm over it now. I'll <laughs> <laughs> put well, it behind me. <laughs> yeah, but there's a reason for that, Kath. Why? Girls. Well, because no. when I train spot... When I trained, and it was steam trains. It wasn't electric or uh, uh, diesel. Yeah. Well, steam trains was more interesting. And I used to go all over the country. Crewe, um, Wales, London. Hello, am I talking to myself again? Oh, dear. Um, I heard this morning, Mr. Lee, that you want to make your name longer. Well, I've made it hundred names longer, but I can't say them on the radio. Okay, pal. Oh, dear. I ain't coming on this program. Tough, mate. Yeah. The cat hell mess. Yeah. Do you think he's going to sleep on a snake? That's right. And David Attenborough told us on the, on the television... That was it. Yeah, da 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 da. Oh dear, I pray. I knew this is going to come on because it's going to come up to the um, traffic very soon. Oh dear, dear, dear. Oh no, I don't know what to do with this bloke. Well, I've got, I've got over hundred names for him. Hell mess. Yeah, it, it's a hell mess. Da, 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 da. I was going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you a question, but I can't now, can I? Edinburgh Tattoo. A man, a soldier played a guitar, played a tune. Can anyone tell me what that tune was, please? No. Not the flipping Beatles. Hello? Can anyone tell me what that tune was that that man played and the bagpipes in the band, please? I think it was recorded by the shadows. No, not that. Not that dipstick. Dipstick. Not that. Oh, dear, I pray. Is the weather, is the traffic news coming up? Oh, dear, dear, dear. This, Matt. No wonder you don't come on the radio no more. Bye bye. Dipstick. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Carpet Martin has tweeted, did Samantha receive a friendly text in the middle of the last travel bulletin? She did seem a little bit flustered, didn't she? Well, let's find out now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
in Wellham Green. The Great North Road is blocked in both directions and it's queuing there because of an accident involving three vehicles around Dixon's Hill Road. On the A1M, it's slow southbound between Junction 9 for Letchworth and Junction 7 for Stevenage South on the speed sensors. And in Whedon, it's looking very busy now around New Road for people heading towards the Bucks County show. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's queuing anti-clockwise between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. And towards London in Boreham Wood, the A1 southbound is queuing, but at the Stirling corner on the CCTV cameras, you can see that on the trains, the London Midlands services and Virgin trains through Watford Junction have delays of up to 15 minutes and there are some cancellations because of a broken down train at Watford Junction. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Samantha, thank you very much. Right, it's 8.46. These are your headlines on Thursday the 28th of August. The Foreign Office is coming to Luton today to talk to smaller charities about providing aid to Syria. A man who's said to rely on the companionship of his dog has been told to give up his pet if he's to be housed by Watford Council. And in football, the MK Dons are to face Bradford in the third league, third round of the League Cup. If you want to give us a call, now is an excellent time to do it. I'll give you the number after the weather with Georgina. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A bit of cloud still lingering. That should gradually work its way off to the east. And then we have a brighter, drier day behind it with some sunshine at times. And uh, certainly uh, just one or two showers in the late afternoon, early evening. But that's really not going to affect us all. I think you'll be very unlucky to see it. Temperatures reaching about 22 degrees Celsius. So a largely dry night tonight with clear spells. Now a bit of a southwesterly breeze during the day. And that picks up further through the night with lows of 13 degrees. And a bright start to tomorrow. More sunny spells on the way. Again, a mostly dry day, but a handful of showers. More showers around tomorrow than today, but they're very light where they do fall, and again, not all of us will see them. Cloud does gradually build through the day, though, but we'll have temperatures reaching 20 degrees Celsius. Friday night, some light patchy rain, which should clear by the morning, and then all the way through till Monday, we've got some dry, bright conditions with sunny spells and decent temperatures. That's your latest forecast. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. Are league tables the best way to judge a school? Panel, do you have any sympathy for the Buckinghamshire-born golfer Ian Poulter? Police are issuing safety advice to women in Watford, but I'm fascinated by the age gap between her and her husband. Figures show that around half a million pounds were spent in Hertfordshire last year clearing up after people who dump rubbish. They just ate them. Roberto Peroni. There's been an extraordinary action on social media. My big concern is that no one ever worries about the victim. The whole system is designed to help the criminal. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you hear a whisper, give us a shout. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There it is. You can't stop yourself from exhaling through gritted teeth. Just as another bit of my soul. Yeah. Leaves. There we go. There we go, indeed. I'm enjoying it this morning. Are you? All things considered. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Are you not having fun? You're not having fun today? Um, well, in, in bursts. Okay. Um, Glenn's going to make late... it fun now? Yeah. You're going to do some fun now? Yeah, well, I'm going to speak to Glenn and then J Dog. Brilliant. There you go. Glenn's in late and buzzer. Morning, Glenn. Morning, Ian. Do you get the, the train spotters, the bus spotters? Do you understand it? Um, well, my, my obsession is I'm obsessed with the uh, earth movers and big diggers. Earth movers and big diggers, movers and shakers. Yeah. Hey, Glenn. Yeah. I've driven yes. a digger. Have you? Yeah. 
Shall I tell you what I drove? Go on. And then you can look it up and see. I drove a Caterpillar 637G. Which is a twin engine motor scraper. Caterpillar oh. 637G. I just drove one yeah. of them yellow ones. I lifted some tyres. Hang on a minute. Look at that bad boy, eh? Flipping it! Show me. That's nuts! That's yeah. massive! Hang on a minute, I can't. I know. What it, again? Tell me the serial number. Caterpillar 637. Oh, I, I, I didn't do serial numbers. Oh. I was just. My dad. My dad. Uh, 637G. Drove all that equipment. And, uh, and what is, I used to what go is, to work with him. What is that supposed to do, that machine? It removes earth uh, very fast. You put three, you can actually put three together and put them as push and pull. So that one pushes, su- one pulls. That would survive a nuclear attack. You could live in that for a year. I know. They're great things, but... Um, Went into sales in the, in the end. Mm. Glenn, well, listen, thank you very much for that. See, Catherine, he totally pwned you there. You trying to be the big man. No, I wasn't. I was trying to tantalise him. Really Different. <laughs> well, he, he, he would have crushed your digger with that. He definitely would, but my um, scooping action was not to be sniffed Why at. Why were you driving a caterpillar? I went on a ladies' driving challenge. Oh, ladies? Yeah. Oh, girls. See, girls could do some of the things blokes do, just almost as well. Uh, yeah, I drove the fire engine really fast. Ooh. With the blues and twos on. Those, just to say... Just to say, don't get in the way of one of those when it's going fast, because yeah. it's quite hard to slow down. Yeah, yeah, of course. What else did I drive? Momentum. Uh, hovercraft. Oh, I'd flipping love to drive a hovercraft. Yeah. I'd love to get a mini hovercraft that I could drive around my house. They're quite hard to manoeuvre. Yeah, I know, because, again, you it's momentum. Sort of yeah, yeah. Body with it. Do you, can you still get a hovercraft to France, or have they, have they knocked down the head now? I think you can. It's the, the hover ferry. It's the noisiest mode of transport ever. I, I did it once when I was about six, and this is when I um, I had been convinced by my mum that my middle name was not what my middle name was. Oh, yeah, I And my nan, um, my nan took me, it was like a tradition, she took my sister, when I was old enough, took me to, to France, um, and we're at the, the checking in, and the woman says, and what's the young lad's middle name? Ian, what's your middle name? Yeah, it's Gaylord. Your mum. Why is it Your mum. I know, that's child abuse. Anyway, the hovercraft is the noisiest mode of transport. I'd love one. I'd love one. Imagine driving to... Imagine I parked up in the car park here in a hovercraft. Oh, it'd take ages. Yeah, I know, but it'd be wicked. You'd be all over... Can you imagine taking that on the M1? You'd be all over the shop. <laughs> be mayhem. <sighs> what else have I driven? Uh, like a tank thing. It's not, it's not necessarily the I best... I felt butch, to be honest. You I look, felt butch. Well, you look butch. You're right, Just. Yeah, if you hear a whisper, give us a shout. Oh, stop it, <laughs> Justin. Where hey, are you? Hey, Monty, you yeah. right? Who are you talking to? I'm just uh, a member of the public. Oh, get, get him to do the, the catchphrase. No, he's walked up. It's raining now. Loser. Mm-hmm. Disgusted. In saying that, though, most people, uh, when the sun's out, as you've heard with those various clips, people now surrounding the radio car, saying, "If you hear a whisper, give us a shout." Let they me... want. They want to be on the radio saying that for Let's us. Let me pick the crowd. Let Let's me pick now. Well, let me pick three at random. Mm. Um, if you hear a whisper. Give us a shout. Where if up? you hear a whisper, give us a shout. And if you hear a whisper, give us a shout. And these people respect. all respect. <laughs> these people all spontaneously yeah. came over to the radio car and they took the fact that you, you want to hear a crowd. Catherine, well, then, then let's have a crowd. Mm. If you hear a whisper, give us a shout. Give us a shout. There we go, you see? That's there's a threat in there. We've got somewhere. Come around and break your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, 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 yeah. what you got for us? <laughs> um, well, not a lot, really. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> 
Um, you've been talking about uh, train spotters this morning. Yes, we have. Um, what have we done to offend train spotters? Nothing. We are t- t- handling them sensitively. Really? Yeah. Uh, has a train spotter phoned the programme this morning? No, we've had a bus spotter right. phoning the programme and yep. a digger spotter. Um, I've met two train spotters this morning. Both were wearing glasses, both were wearing a Mac, and uh, they had a notebook as well. Yeah. But uh, they are refusing to talk to us. Why? What's their beef? Because, well, their beef is that apparently we are going to make fun of them. No, no, so no, they won't no, talk no. to me here. Not at all. And this is, you know, the, the chap who phoned in with the, with the bus spotting, we mm. had a laugh, but he was in on it. We weren't laughing at him. Yep. We were laughing with him. And this is what I've been really keen to stress all morning. We, we're not taking the mic. I want to understand yeah. it. I want them to understand it. And I know it's, oh, yeah, I'm a train spotter. It, it's easy to do all that. Yeah, yeah. But I want to understand them. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry they feel <clears> like that. It was actually quite aggressive. I mean, obviously in the past... Oh, you We've had issues with cyclists. People saying, I'm not talking to you because uh, you're going to twist my words. Well, we can't because we're on the radio. So um, I've met two train spotters. They are refusing to talk to me. But um, I spoke to somebody a moment ago at Luton train station. Uh, Apparently, train spotting is still very fashionable. Has it ever gone out of fashion? Um, here's what somebody had to say. Hey, Jasmine, good morning. Um, all of the train spotters are refusing to talk to me this morning. Uh, how many train spotters come here to Luton Station on a daily basis to look at those beautiful trains? About well, three to four. Yeah. What do they look like? Glasses, mags? Mi- glasses, middle-aged with the pack lunches. And uh, just waiting for special trains to come through. Do they look quite happy when the trains pass through? They do, yeah. because it's something unusual they're probably looking at. What do you think about train spotters personally? What do you think about them? They enjoy their life. I enjoy my life. <laughs> Come on, what do you think about train spotters? <laughs> Don't sit on the fence. You're here every day. You're looking at three to four men wearing glasses and Macs with a packed lunch, looking at trains. What do you think about those people? They must be happy in their life. You really are going to sit on the fence. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. There you go. He Three. Can't, I'm not going to have anyone knocking the packed lunch. Yeah, yeah. Don't knock the packed lunch. Sandwich <laughs> no, doesn't say anything about a person, does no, it? No. And glasses, no. well, you know, again. Some of the best people wear glasses. Is there some Bloody sort of holly? uniform? Is, is that a uniform for a train spot? You, you must wear glasses and you must have a Mac. But, uh, possibly. I've got yeah. glasses and a Mac. You could be a train spotter. Justin, excellent stuff, mate. Speak to you in a little bit. Cheers, boss. Da- ta-ta. Uh, Catherine, we'll, there's loads of Facebook comments. We'll do some of those in a second. Let me get to uh, Richard in Winslow first. Morning, Richard. Yo, I just Googled that caterpillar thing, 673G, whatever it is, on the old Google dude. It's an I, awesome beast, isn't it? It's an awesome. People, people ought to know what it is. It's a coal bowl scraper. A coal bowl scraper. A coal bowl scraper, which I presume is where you go open cast mining, scooping up loads of coal. Yeah, well. And you can buy them second hand. Yeah. There's one on there that's only had 3,000 hours on it, and it's only 579,080 pounds. A second hand truck for 600 grand. Absolutely. Flipping heck. I think I've got the best spotting spotting hobby ever. Oh, oh gosh. Is it legal? Yeah. Go on. Well, as I drive around in my automobile, I spot pretty women. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. OK. He actually phoned up to tell us that. Where? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to encourage Richard in any way whatsoever. Sorry. Catherine, Facebook, the, ice, the two-year-old doing the ice bucket challenge. There, there are some people suggesting it may be fake. Yeah, there are. I mean, but 
th- that's not been said by the parents. So, no. um, Natalie says, I don't agree with it, but when my child was two, he had someone swear on the bus and copied it. So it can be done, but he's not sworn since. He knows it's wrong. I don't understand why the grandmother only being 40, as mentioned, has anything to do with it. My mum was 40 when my son was two. So what? My son's always been well behaved and she only filmed it. Doesn't mean she knew the child would say that. Uh, another one here saying it's just a word get over it that's from Stephen Luther um, and Helena Musselthwaite says I did laugh but I'd be embarrassed if it was my child yeah I, I'm there I'm with that I, I, I laughed I would be embarrassed and upset if it was my child it wasn't okay fair play would you share it with your mates if it was my child no if someone sent it to you yeah if, if it was my child I would have shared it with my mates I would to- if, I, if I had a child, of, a video of my child spontaneously dropping the F-bomb because of something, I would, t- I would show it to you. I'd show it to you two. Totally. Of course I would. And you'd do the same with your girls and you know it. You know you would. You'd, you'd bring in the video all sheepish. You wouldn't post it on YouTube. No, but this is what I'm saying to you. Would you share it with the public at large? I don't share any videos no. of my kids no. at all in a public way like that. No, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't do that. But I would totally send you both a video of my boys swearing. Of course I would. You know I would. And you'd be upset if I okay, didn't. well, next time they do it, send me a video. OK. And we'll discuss it on air. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, all right, fine, we will. I don't see why that's a bad thing. Why is that a bad thing? I'm not saying it is. You're saying it in that tone of that bad tone of voice thing, voice. Oh. I think you need to have a little reconsider. Are we going for prizzies? I am quite hungry. I'm starving. I know we, we only did it. Um, we, we had that be this be the third cooked breakfast this week. Yeah, we went in after the plasterers. They made a right fucking <laughs> state of the place. Didn't they? <laughs> See you in prizzies in a bit. Thank you very much. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's partially blocked because of an accident involving three vehicles. That's at Junction 16 for the M40. It's causing queues to Junction 17 for Maple Cross as well. Having a look at the M25 as well, it's also looking busy uh, around Junction 16 for the M40, uh, where the accident is as well. Having a look at the uh, A1000 Great North Road in Wellham Green, it's still busy there because of the accident that's blocking the road at Dixon's Hill Road. And... On the A1M southbound, it's looking slow between Junction 9 for Letchworth and Junction 7 for Stevenage South. On the trains on London Midland Services and Virgin Trains, there's 15-minute delays because of a broken-down train at Watford Junction. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. That's it, that's your lot. Justin, excellent stuff. Kelly, Catherine, thank you very much indeed. JVS is up next. From us all until tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. It's raining and it's nine o'clock. On today's big phone-in... Is it reasonable for councils to say give up your pets or you won't get housed? 